Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, boomers! Yeah. Yes! Festive time, festive time, it's a festive time! <laughs> nice non-denominational jingle you got working there, Dave. Yeah, I know, wasn't that good? Welcome again to your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We, as always, are your humans who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. And I am Dave McBoomer. <laughs> Dave McBoomer? <laughs> That's our ship name. <laughs> and I'm Dave McBulmer, and I am sad to be leaving 1995 behind again. This I keeps. Know. This is the downside to this podcast, right? We've we've had to say goodbye to 93 again, 94 again, and now 95 again. And I've been learning that 1995 was like way more of an exciting year than perhaps I thought it was. Like so much stuff, not just in this comic, but like in my whole. I was life. gonna say, do you mean like in life? I or mean just in, in life, this comic both. I've been having such a good time revisiting what was going on in 1995. I've got a bit of a diary dump for everybody later on. And it's just, I don't know. I don't, what, what a great time. What a great time we were having. We, there, there really was just this little pocket of great years that we were a great age for. And I think everybody feels like life is better at a certain age. But we can, like, we can look at what was so good about this time. And it was. Yes, there were strange flavored spreads for bread and <laughs> yeah you get bandy figures out of your marmalade that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> stuff like that yes this is issue number 68 uh cover dated misleadingly mm. as the 5th of january 1996 and promoted very much as the new year's issue but it actually came out on the 23rd of december so it came out mm. before christmas mm. but because this was the issue that was going to be on shelves for basically the whole first week of new year it wound up being marketed as the new year issue so even though that's what the issue is about. And, well, Christmas is a funny time for us schedule-wise, so we're not entirely mm. sure exactly when you'll hear this. But no. you should still be hearing it before the new year. Hopefully, yeah. You will you should still be feeling festive anyway when this comes out. And, and if not, well, then I'll just change this intro. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this is our... Yeah, this is our end of 1995 issue as well as STCs. And, oh. We can oh. reflect back upon... Mm the year that was mm. perhaps at the end of the mm. episode we don't yeah. want to get too maudlin or no no no. Down, we're not, we're, no it's not time to wrap it up yet we've got another couple of hours <laughs> in 1995 still they begin <laughs> with this cover a carl flint cover of amy wearing her usual outfit except instead of a heart on the uh i said her usual outfit because that's what it is now it's uh, yes. her stc original outfit of the white t-shirt and the green plaid skirt instead of a heart on the t-shirt she's got 96 written mm -hmm. on it and she's holding above her head a huge big snowball in which Dr. Robotnik has been rolled up. She's a, a hefty one, Amy. The fact that she can lift up Dr. Robotnik and something else, like the, the snow packed around him. She must really pack a wallop. Well, you know, this is just STC getting in there ahead. Mm -hmm. Years before, Amy would be proven to have the physical strength to wield a massive hammer. That, well, they... There you go. Just STC, there just being right ahead of time. Yeah, Hedgehog Monet, it says, of course. The first time, I think, but definitely not the last time that this <laughs> uh, thing will roll out that particular guy. Actually, is it the first? It's definitely the first time they've used it on the cover, but Don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it had been used in at least a picture caption or a control zone in a yeah, previous Christmas. They have must two previous Christmases, of course. But uh, the reason she's lifting up uh, Robotnik and looking all strong is because it says, complete new story, lift off with Amy, because she lifts off because it's her story. She And she's, she's lifting the snowball? It's tortured 
And it's the average level of tortured we expect from some of this cover yeah. copy sometimes. Yeah. Chaotix, the crew, continue... The crew... The crew. It was only a couple of issues ago. We were... Or la- maybe last episode we were discussing, been, like... Yeah. Where does crew come from? Chaotix crew. Is that in Chaotix the game? Is that in Chaotix the strip? I think it's an STC invention. Yeah, and it, it seems to be just a thing that, like... Apparently the editorial staff think that that's their name. Anyway, because they can just say the crew... We know well, who I is. think we were talking about it last issue, hmm. and we were like, in Chaotix, I don't know if the intention was ever that the that Chaotix was the name it's of the group. even called Chaotix, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that they are that group. No, I'm pretty sure Archie called them the Chaotix as hmm. well, you know. Um, but STC instead appended that name to them, the Chaotix crew. Yeah. Uh, instead of just being the Chaotix. And they're the Chaotix detective agency these days. Calling them the Chaotix crew, I think it makes them sound a bit more rough and tumble. It makes it sound like they're here to get a job done. I think it's a great word for them. Knuckles, home sweet home. Strange title, doesn't really bear any reference to the strip. Not really, no. Decap, monster mass, because, what, there's some monsters? Like a a Christmas mass? Maybe... And a Spiker Badnik pinup. Oh, good. Can't wait. Yeah, joyous occasion. <laughs> Control Zone. Megadroid says his resolution for 1996 is not to listen to the humes who think they're in charge. Because would you believe I'm sat here armed with a lump of coal? They insist it brings good luck for the new year. Anything to keep them quiet. Is that a thing? I've never heard that before, and so I I, I was puzzling over the... I don't, right, I think I always sound a bit too pedantic when I'm reading these, and I'm like, what do they mean? And so, <laughs> but, like, what do they mean? Is, it the, is the joke here that that is all that the Humes gave Megadroid for Christmas, and their explanation is that there's a use for a lump of coal? Because that's a Christmas thing. That's what Santa gives you if you're bad, a lump of coal. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, you know, not to listen to them... So I assume what he's saying is that he won't listen to them when they say it brings good luck? Because he, he thinks they're talking... Anyway. I is it a Hogmanay yeah, thing it's... that I don't... Because I don't know about Hogmanay. Well, that's it. Yeah. The, well, I mean, Hogmanay is the name for the New Year celebrations in Scotland. Mm. And it's a it just lends itself to a tremendous pun that they... Uh, well, tremendous is not perhaps the word I want to use. You've got to do it. If you're the editorial staff on a Hedgehog-based magazine, of course you gotta, you've got to say yeah. Hedgehogmanay. Course. I mean, they do mention first footing here as well, and that's mm. more of a Scottish thing too, isn't it? I don't know. It's I I remember being told what it was and someone doing yeah. it around our house, but it was always with this air of like we're just joining in a little bit this time. It's not something we really do, yeah. And that's when you go out visiting people. It's, what, it's yeah. like for first footing is because it's your first the first person to set foot in your house of the new year in or the something. new year. Yeah. yeah. What it meant in in our case was that when someone that mum and dad knew happened to be stumbling home from the pub that night he came in and went i'm first foot in and they went okay <laughs> do you need some bread <laughs> in my case it was just really mentions of things like hogmanay and first footing really were to me what they meant to me were they were things i heard about in the beano and yeah. sonic the comic you know that that was my frame yeah. of reference for them because this sort of publication has to 
they've got an issue out every few weeks or every week in the case of the Beano or whatever. They have to latch on to whatever there is that's happening right now to make this issue yeah. different to another. Otherwise, yeah, he just describes the contents of the issue. Sonic uh, story, Return of Chaotix. Decapitackers reach the end of their current story, but they start in a teeth-chattering story next oh, issue. Good. Knuckles goes out with the old and in with the new, but a new Knuckles story begins next issue. Yes, I don't know if we really mentioned it, but mm. we're, ca- we're in that transitioning period now where Knuckles is a bit of a fixture Yay. of his own strip. Like, I think it will come and go a little bit, yeah. but... but but it, 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 it's there more often than it's not mm. going forward. And you may have noticed that she's back! Amy stars in the winter warming snow business as the fourth strip in the issue, a little complete extra strip. There's a party on down pinup featuring Spike of the Panic. And Ooh, yeah, we'll wait, come to that in a minute. But it is on the same <laughs> level as the Asteron from last issue. And Sonic and Co. try out a few disguises in your own art page, the graphic zone. And then. Here's the first footing. Right, I'm off for a spot of first footing with Sonic if only he'd slow down. However, before I go, there's one more thing. Have a mega new year. Oh, a mega new year. Yeah. From Mega Droid and the STC Humes. That might even be one of the last times that 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 meaning of mega ends up in print. Here's a gloomy note. I have tape evidence that I used to say things were mega as long ago as like 1991, maybe 1990. And no evidence that I still said it at this point, despite an abundance of tapes. I think we're reaching the stage where Mega is no longer viable as an up-to-date term of excitement, and STC is becoming uncool. It's the very oh, end of the Mega Drive it's era. It's the Mega Drive! It's the end of the Mega Drive era. It's Saturn's mm. out now. Well, the other feature on the Control Zone is a uh, just a little sort of retrospective and yeah. look forward. 1995 whizzed past almost as fast as Sonic does, didn't it, Just? Uh. Yeah. Feels like we were only starting ninety five not so long ago, but you will look back and think about everything that Probably. has happened in this comic this year. How have we been doing STCTP in real time? And we're already at nineteen ninety five. When we started in what, twenty nineteen? Like two and a half years done and dusted already. And to think of how much stuff has happened. So mm. many of the most famous things this comic ever did happened in nineteen ninety like last mm. year, ninety four, we always talked about it. it was the year of STC. They had the summer special, they had the eternal champions mm-hmm. spin-off they had the poster mag mm-hmm. running throughout the year but this and, and this year well we, we just had one summer special this year outside the main comic but this year brought us what do we what do we have this year we've had the entire sonic and knuckles adaptation wow we've had the brotherhood of metallics mm-hmm. we've had brutus we've had chaotix we've had the uh, cybernic was introduced this yeah. year too techno and and all the other sega superstar strips all taking their final mm. bows as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a huge, really, when you step back and look at this comic, it's a huge transitionary year for this comic. Yeah. As it moved into huge, like, serialized, ongoing mm-hmm. action dramas. Mm-hmm. And the non-Sonic content got increasingly marginalized. Now, going into 96, where I, which I think basically begins with the last non-decapitac, non-sonic strip that they'll publish. Not only did 1995 prove to be a Sega-sational year for Knuckles, star of the Chaotix 32X game, but the Chaotix crew were also a hit with you boomers. Then it gets a little, uh, hmm. Sonic had his work cut out in Sonic Drift Racing. 
That's the only Sonic game of note we got this year. That's that, yeah. And the release of the Sega Saturn caused a few oohs and ahs, as will future news on this multi-purpose 32-bit machine. I mean... What else happened? I never felt as if they properly told us that the Saturn was happening in STC. Like, they had a little go. We had that double-page feature about it. Yeah, why doesn't that satisfy me? I guess that should be enough, but it's just like it hasn't been mentioned again. Like, there's not. it's not in the review zone, it's not... There's no games that we're aware of that are coming out, but they must be. That's true. What else happened? Sega presented STC with an award in recognition of standards of excellence in Sonic merchandise. Cool. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And quite right. Good. And if you're wondering whether Sonic needs a rest after such a chocka-filled 1995, no sorry. (laughs) Artists, that doesn't mean chocolate. Uh, When something is chocka, it's just full. Like chocka-block. That's probably where it comes from, but it's just Chocker. Oh, that's Chocker with stuff. <laughs> There's a brand new Sonic game planned for 1996. Mm-hmm. And, well, you'll just have to keep reading STC and all will be revealed. I'm pretty sure they're not talking about Sonic 3D. No, there. exactly. It's tempting to think they are. They must be talking about Sonic Extreme, which they'd have... Yes. They'd have heard was happening but wouldn't have heard was not happening by this yes, stage yes because it, it's uh yes it's sonic extreme gets cancelled in 96 the big famous cancelled sonic game but sonic 3d blast does come out at the end of 1996 yes. so they are not retroactively turned into liars <laughs> the little bit of new in the charts finally i feel mm. like there hasn't been anything impact in the charts at all recently but in mega drive two new entries yes. at one and two yeah mortal kombat 3 and micro machines 96 which i am satisfied to say i don't consider sports games you know yes, micro I machines agree. is borderline but that's like a real so what we have and i've counted mm. an even representation this fortnight of sports games to good games on the mega drive <laughs> You know, it's games to real games. Exactly. Well, it's a, it's a <laughs> milestone for us because we've been inundated with sports games, and we don't we don't care about we don't we're not interested in Mega Drive sports games. We're not the audience for that. We're um we're far from the Madden crowd. And Dizzy's in on the Game Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Dizzy. Yeah, second. Second on the Game Gear. Sorry, I thought you were saying he was new on the Game Gear for the new no. entry on the Game Gear chart is CJ's Elephant Antics. Hey! Also by Codemasters. Also a, is it, um... Yeah, that's a Spectrum and C64 game. Wait, CJ's Elephant Antics, right. Okay, cast your mind back to the previous time I've mentioned this in a previous STC because there was a game called, for the Game Gear, like CJ something something. And I said, oh, this is a remake of CJ's Elephant Antics. So I guess maybe they've changed it to CJ's Elephant Antics, or or maybe they brought out another game on the Game Gear called that. What the hell's going on? I haven't noticed this. CJ Google that. Ant- Antics Game Gear. CJ's Elephant Antics is a platform game developed for the, com- confusingly, by Genesis, for the Commodore 64 with conversions made for Amiga, Atari ST... ZX Spectrum and NES, no mention of Game Gear, but then it's Wikipedia, you know, you never know. CJ Elephant Fugitive. Yes, that was the name I remember hearing it referred to by in the past. So... They just got the name wrong here. Well, yes, they got the name wrong, but in an interesting way. It appears that what's happened here is the game is called CJ Elephant Fugitive, and whoever wrote this chart was aware that it was a remake of an old C64 game called CJ Elephant Antics, 
and put that instead. How odd. Well, isn't Fantastic Adventures of Dizzy also wrong in the same way? Yep, that is, yep, correct. That is wrong in exactly the same way. Well, I never. They really worked hard on these charts. I mean, the thing is, it takes more work to get them wrong in this way than it would to get them right. You have to know about the history of the games to get them this specific kind of wrong. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying they're not being compiled by people who know what they're talking about, game journalists, but... Yeah, apparently, apparently they are. Over at Gallup, they know what they're on with. The Return of Chaotix, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ellie DeVille. Sonic and the Chaotix crew head up the chain to investigate the transformed Miracle Planet. But along the way, Porker Lewis reveals himself to be a Metallics in disguise, sent to destroy the heroes. Sonic and the Chaotix work together to destroy the Porker Metallics and continue to the Miracle Planet where they find and rescue the real Porker. Sorry, it's just hitting me that his name's Porker. (laughs) (laughs) Use Porker a few too many times. (laughs) It's it's just like a name for a pig. Porker. All right, Porker. Then the Emperor Metallics appears before them and gloats that the Brotherhood have used their copy of the Omniviewer to travel back in time and alter history, transforming Mobius itself into a metal world under their control. Oh, Oh. this is one of those ones... I think people remember some of this as like kind of like nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah. When Porker turns out to be a Metallics in disguise. Mm. And, you know, full marks, by the way, for making that a plot point spread across two issues. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. As I, as I think I said it last time when we read part one that I was like, I couldn't remember if the twist was in part one or not. Mm. And it wasn't. They made you wait the second time. And Porker did act just oddly yeah. enough in part one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so I enjoyed that. And it represents a significant change for the Metallics. They can be built in any form they like. So Yes, yes. The summary just said it was a Metallics in disguise. Yeah. No, this is demon robot Porker. Yeah. I mean, he looks tremendous. Yeah, he he removes, his face skin is removed and it's a porker-shaped robot underneath. That is what this is. It's so good, though. Like, all of his curves become angles. You know, like, porker is a big, soft, squishy bloke. His little snout, all of the curves become points and angles and his eyes become the classical angry brow, sonic, metallics eyes. Yeah. And it actually goes from Porker's to individual eyes to having a sonic monogoggle that become black with red lights inside. Um, sorry, I'm just, I'm just delving into the diary here. Because, was it not? I'm pretty sure that it was during the time that this issue was on the shelves that the third Wallace and Gromit short came out, which had exactly the same twist. There was a dog whose skin came off and he was a robot evil dog. Oh, you know Remember what? That? No, 1995. Yeah, I think I do mention it in the diary, and that's what made me think it. Oh, yeah. So that's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's not that weird that a disguised normal person would turn out to be an evil robot in something, but I don't know. It strikes me as... It's a little weird that it came out exactly one day after this issue was released. <laughs> exact same time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, that's the centrepiece of the issue, is this frigging demon porker who, who grows a gun out of his arm, yeah. and he's got telescoping limbs and his head's on a big extending cable yeah so he can headbutt mighty and stuff i mean 
It, it, ooh, ooh. Top class character design by Richard Elson at work here again. Is there anything in the fact that on page three, when Robot Porker's arms break out, is Sonic on his back of his jacket normally got that expression, or have they made a special yeah, jacket? Yeah, I think that's deliberate. I think that's a little sort of uh, uh, non-diegetic effect. <laughs> you've got to <laughs> do they... it. You've got to. If you've ever got yeah. someone who's got a face on their clothes, that face has got to change its expression depending on what's going on. You've got to. <laughs> we see things like that in uh, some of. IDW's Transformers comics really? sometimes where their, their little face symbols might change expression ever so slightly really? to, 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 yeah, just a little bit here and there just in the more uh, in the more expressive art artists work yeah. Right yes because the sonic face on the back of Parker's Freedom Fighter jacket makes a little surprised face ooh <laughs> Because I have this vague sense of us last episode talking about how you can't see the back of his jacket and it'd be funny if it was a metallic's head. Yeah, but uh, they did something with it and that's good <laughs> enough for me. Ooh! <laughs> I didn't see that coming, thought the jacket to itself, you know? Yeah. Like if maybe they'd taken off Porker's clothes and put them on the robot Porker. <laughs> Here's a couple of page specific... I made one note per page and we've got a couple of pages in, so I want to read them out. Mm. Page one, I liked that Mighty says to Sonic, all right, keep your spikes on. I like that, yeah. Like that. I've always called Mighty the Ben Grimm. Yes. And even though Mighty is exactly the same height as Sonic, there's something about him being the little guy that just works, you know? Yes. Get your spikes on, little guy. Page two, Mighty and Sonic again. Mighty says, you can't just wander onto the Miracle Planet. We need a plan. And Sonic goes, plans are for wimps. And I remember yeah. when I read that, I heard that in your voice. And I'm like, what's that all about? Plans are for wimps. And uh, Yeah, and I'm thinking, and I realised what it was. It was an issue of um, Streets of Rage. Ninjas are wimps, Ninjas man. Ninjas are wimps, man. That's <laughs> what it was. I was trying to think. what It felt familiar to me, yeah. too. But I was thinking back to whenever... Uh, a large portion of Sonic dialogue in the Brotherhood of Metallic serial was given over to talking about how much they needed a plan and how plans were easy. I got a million of them yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. That's what it is. Ninjas are wimps. <laughs> I like this bit on page two mm -hmm. where the Omniviewer goes into yes! Vector's Walkman. Yes! Like, Which to me feels like it really only exists to justify why, why Vector is carrying carries this thing a around. Walkman. Yeah. yeah. But it works for me. It yeah. does, yeah. It turns out it's a little... It's like um you know, it's like a ghost trap from Ghostbusters, but for the mm. Omniviewer, you can suck him into it and store him there. And I guess the headphones are to talk to Omniviewer when he's in there. <laughs> Perhaps. I didn't think of that, yeah. <laughs> or just to, you know, study readings or whatever whatever output that little box gives him the rest of the time. Because you remember the original uh, uh uh pitch for Chaotix that we looked at when the series started it had a whole different description for Vector about how he was uh, sinister and, uh, you know, they were they were focusing in on the, the idea that a crocodile is a nasty, snappy predator-type animal. But it said that whatever that thing is he's wearing, it's not a Walkman. And I, and I feel like this oh, is yeah. Kitching now belatedly going back to the idea that there is something more to the Walkman. So, yeah, and then on page three, that's where Porker turns out to be this robot. And the thing about... Now that we know that they can make Porker Lewis shaped ones, presumably they can make any shape they want, what this means, and this makes a lot of sense to me, is that Sonic is the best shape. But <laughs> if you yeah. want it to be any shape, they have, with their robot brains, they have calculated that, yeah, that. That's, that's the most the best aerodynamic one. one, you know, the most high speed. See, exactly. It does happen to be the case that, yes, that's the shape they had when they were first created. So there may be a, an unconscious bias there. But 
they, they, they seem to like it. They seem to like that form, and that makes sense to me. I mean, this one's been created for infiltration purposes. They wouldn't build themselves in other forms if they didn't have yes, to. Yes, you know? it's a stealth one. Yeah, real stealthy. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong. I'm perfectly normal. Yeah. It's like if if the if the Chaotix hadn't turned up, Sonic would probably have copped on pretty quickly mm. if something wasn't quite right about Lewis. I like this bit where they're fighting with the Metallics where... Um, SBO. He says he'll yes. use his chameleon power to sneak up behind him, which you would think would mean he's going to do invisible. a color change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it actually means he's going to do the thing, which he can do in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, walk up walls. Oh! Because he's right. a lizard. So what he does is he flips over and walks along the underside of the chain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've got it there. My note for that page was just chameleon powers because that made me laugh so much it was like i'm gonna use my chameleon powers and he just goes around the back of him and goes bonk <laughs> and they are the powers of a chameleon the ability to you know walk up walls and stuff yeah but, absolutely uh, right i didn't think of it then he belts he, he kicks him in the head mm. and his skin flies <laughs> off and it's yeah like, yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> oh i like this bit as well this is this is only the tiniest thing mm. but whenever porker grabs espion throws him into the chaotix which I feel like is a move that they used in the original Chaotic Strip as well. It was just literally just grabbing an opponent and firing. That's them right, because because the... we went, whose shoe was that? Because there was one more shoe. That's than people. right. Yes. Well, everyone's <laughs> still got all their shoes on in this panel, but he says, "We metallics have no weakness," as if metallics was the plural yeah. of metallics. And I feel like metallics is, has been used in the past but i think so metallics i prefer as the it. plural of metallics is better it. it's like he's a like yeah. he's a pokemon yep yep we metallics yeah that makes i like that better that they are a a breed onto their own you know they're not just something that there are multiples of that they are their own species their own entity metallices you know oh it's good this i never really i never really noticed how good this is so what happens here is that there as espio is sneaking underneath the the chain it's mighty fighting porker and porker mm. well not porker metallic's porker like headbutts him but by his head coming out on a chain essentially like on a on an extending neck doc he headbutts mighty and then espio kicks him from behind and he turns around and he goes, So you think my head is a weak spot? We metallics have no weaknesses. And you go, oh no, oh they've got no weaknesses, there's no weakness on this. And the next thing he says is, I will not prolong this farce, it just takes a few seconds to generate this death ray, and then you'll all be destroyed. And as lightning's flickering, you're like, aha, aha, it's a little switch. Because no, a metallics doesn't have any weaknesses in terms of like cracks in its armour. But its weakness is it needs time, and Sonic can get in. And if you ever give time to Sonic, he's like, brilliant, I, yeah. I can do anything now. Yes. Very next line he says, I can make good use of a That's few right. seconds, blockhead. And there he comes is. In, smashes and of course he can't uh, smash him, but he can, you know, send him yeah. flying. When he says generate this death ray, do you think he means, you know, in moments we'll be at firing strength? Mm -hmm. Or, and I think I think that is what it means, mm -hmm. but this gun just yeah. sort of appears on his arm. Yeah. And do you think it means a few seconds to go... <laughs> to come folding out of his arm? What I think it means is to, you know, yeah, power up the ray. There's, cra there's yeah. lightning crackling around it. It's going to go... And then it's going to go... And then it's ready. And then it's going to fire. But when I read it this time, 
my my immediate my brain interpreted it as there's that as the chung 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 because yeah out comes this thing out of his arm that wasn't there before now he's got a, a complicated well, he takes gun. off on flies with like jets from his feet by the way mm. like yeah it's cool and that's his downfall because sonic hits him in a way that kind of breaks that overloads that with the the power that was in that that was building up and now he's going to explode and also is he falling off the chain as well well he's flying yeah so he's in the air yeah but he seems to be flailing about i can't tell if that's him going to be falling i don't know if he's falling or just flailing ultimately well sonic's next line is hey guys do you really want to stand next to this dude as he explodes Mm. get rid of him so i guess he's not falling to the planet yeah yeah he's he's still there so then chaotix use a thing yes with me now from, from the games, games. <laughs> yeah they bust out the link rings from chaotix mighty holds b <laughs> and stays in place while vector swing slingshots around clobbers the metallics and sends it flying off into the middle distance where it explodes oh i'm safely. glad you played chaotix as research for that joke <laughs> actually b is probably not the right one but never mind <laughs> that i was so excited Link rings! Yeah, boy! Link rings. Vector goes swinging round, and it's a perfect time to use the link rings, because otherwise Vector would fall off the chain and down to Earth. But he's linked, yeah. so he, fought, he he does a big swing round, punches Porker. Yes. I love it, because it gives us a... I don't think we'll ever see the link rings again, but... I was just thinking that. I genuinely don't know if they ever appear But again. then I didn't remember them appearing this time, admittedly. Mm. But it just gives us a thing from the games, and it gives us a good reason to use them. Yeah. But Mighty notes it took all of them to destroy one Metallics, mm. and they're placing a planet full of them. Sonic has a go at him. If you're scared, you can always go back. SPO pipes up. I think I like Knuckles better. Knuckles! <laughs> nice kid. Taught him everything he knows. Lovely. <laughs> I actually like that Sonic in isolation, not not in Knuckles' presence, would refer to Knuckles as a nice kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd never get he'd never call Knuckles nice to his face. And then they arrive on if you don't remember, readers, the Metallic's head-shaped metal mm, yes. miracle planet, which has been taken over back in time and turned into a metal sonic. Wait, turned wait, was it back in time industri- they did it or not? Well, we don't know, no, we do don't. we? Yeah, we just, we just know that the planet has been transformed. Probably, probably not. Probably they used the Alpha device to yeah, accomplish yes, it. Yes, the Alpha device, of course. They probably transformed the planet with the Alpha device and turned it back into a hell world of steaming industry and machinery and metal. Mm. And it looks great. And then they find Porker, and I love this panel of Porker because mm-hmm. well, it sort of it sort of speaks back to the Alpha device and and the transformation of the planet, where Porker is Im- imprisoned. He's the Metallics aren't here right now, and Porker is imprisoned, but he's not held in some high tech cell mm. or manacles or anything like that. He is just tied up with cabling and wires. This yeah. raw bear technology summons to mind the image. You remember of the Alpha device, yeah. the, the, the ribboning Whip, out whipping of the metal out, around yeah. him. You know, it's so. I don't know what the word is to describe it, but it's not how you would imagine the metallics would use their metal world to imprison someone. Yeah. You know, you you would imagine manacles growing up out of the ground to clamp yeah. a person in place or something. There's something really raw and scary about Porker just being tied to an I-beam with a length of wire and uh, corrugated cabling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Here are the Metallics. They show up. And they show up. They emerge out of their evil Omniviewer. Yeah. And they show up with the Emperor Metallics. And for the first time, we get a bird's eye view looking down on oh God, Emperor yes, Metallics. And we can finally see exactly legs. how he's embedded in the throne. No legs, just these 
sort of like feet things that are just there, like just only going up to the knees or something. I don't know what those are now. I don't. I don't. I, you know, I never thought of those. As, now that you've just said, I don't think I ever thought of those as actually being legs. Right. I always just thought they were part of the throne. But it does answer the question that yeah. yes, those knobbly bits yep. on the armrest are just his knuckles, his fingers cresting up the edges. <laughs> yeah. Never, I didn't even register that. <laughs> yeah, I love that they call it their pirate copy of the. Oh, Omnibus. I love There's that. There's something so. Ooh, they copied Omni's floppy. You know, yes, it's, it's really of its time. You know. Living now as we do in a time when piracy is more associated with digital theft than it ever has been in the history of man before, there's still something so cutely of its time as referring to this as their pirate copy. It's so 90s, isn't it? And I think maybe that's because, like, the only thing people were pirating in terms of software in those days was, you know games (laughs) yeah they were all 12 and they were copying super frog for each other (laughs) using our pirate copy of the omni viewer we have traveled into the past of planet mobius and changed history really so what do you changed just look up at your precious planet mobius and see we've changed everything up above them is what looks like the old design for the Miracle Planet when Robotnik first took it over. Chained to where we are now, with those great big fire pits all over it, but that is Mobius. There are two metal planets chained together in space, flailing around like a pair of nunchucks as they orbit one another. Fire everywhere, oil everywhere. I feel like this should have been a bigger panel. The, The planet is just crowded out enough by everything else going on in the page that I don't think it hits with quite the impact it could have. Maybe. I seem to remember having that slight moment of confusion when I read this originally as a kid because of exactly what you just said. It is the old Miracle Planet design with the apocalypse fire pits and everything. Mm. And I was like, look up and see. Oh, it's the Miracle mm. Planet. Oh, wait, no. You know, I had yeah, that, yeah. that one extra moment of, oh, wait, Because no, we're on confusion. the Miracle Planet now, yeah. 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 We, I feel like we could have pulled out more from this but then well i say that but then at the same time ooh, look at emperor metallics there with his fists in his hand out and everything his fists in his hand out and everything oh actually that's a little weird yeah his fingers go from isn't it interesting isn't that interesting yeah what we're referring to is that in uh, the bottom of this page is this main final panel with a smaller inset panel of him saying the thing about the pirated omniviewer in which he's got metallic style point fingers he doesn't normally have those though is that right that's that's the error yeah remember whenever he put his big fists up waved them in the air when sonic beat up those two metallics yeah brotherhood of metallics story yeah he he normally has a big fat he normally has brutus hands yeah or at least brutus fingers that's a nose yeah yeah he's got a number of noses coming out (laughs) of his hand nose (laughs) next issue planet metallics Oh, it's so cool! Yes, there's a lot of good stuff happening in this one. Uh, but, you know, the, the the centerpiece of the demon robot pig. <laughs> I think that's an image that stayed with a lot of people yeah. from this one. I mean, he looks genuinely terrifying. Yeah. That panel where he's charging up the death ray, taking off into the air with, with like, jets from his yeah. trotters. Nice to see Porger with trotters again, you know? Oh! 
Parker normally wears treat sneakers, yeah. you know, all those trousers. <laughs> so nice to nice to see it remembered that that's what he's got, Wait. even though we still do him with hands. So now. does this tell us then that Porker Lewis has hand hands and trotter feet? If you could see into his shoes, I think that's acceptable. That's one for um, whatever his name was in the speed oh, yeah, lines. That, that, that kid, that, that foot chronicler. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that was back in 1994. Yes. At this point, yeah. surely. So <laughs> at least at least that wasn't this year. <laughs> Um, this is another one of those seven page strips where a lot gets fitted in you know we've got the re-establishment of the metallics miracle planet we have the reveal of the porker metallics the fight with the porker metallics going up the chain being on the miracle planet and and looking around and some great drawings of what it's like Mm. on the miracle planet metallics show up yeah proper like smoke belching chimneys Mm. and fires just randomly raging in the background and grime and dirt and mist and the way the way cables and wires just lie everywhere it's like you know you'd think that if it it looks like the kind of awful machine world like robotnik would make yes exactly you know that you you would think that whenever cold creatures of logic and precision like the metallics would take over they would build some kind of sleek cold metal robot utopia yeah you know but no they are their father's children you know they this is as grimy a horrible machine dystopia as anything robotnik would make it gives you the impression that this is robotnik's creation gone too far got got away from him and gone further than he would have gone i particularly like in the establishing shot how they're arriving on the miracle planet pictured still walking up the end of the chain with the camera kind of embedded in the floor looking up at the chain so you get this really cool perspective on them walking along this thing looking up at them the chain itself kind of appearing to be part of the floor going into the big you know evil robotic face yeah and doesn't it look like the entrance to an evil roller coaster or something with the oh with yeah the, the dungeon it's the dungeons, dungeons and, and dragons right yeah that's what i'm thinking of and you notice how they've put like fires in its eyes this time its eyes didn't used to light up i don't yeah think. and then and so and under the chain with us there's pipes and cables and domes and things and then towering above us are all these flame belching chimneys and Mm. skyscrapers and there's one little interesting little sky pod thing that's like docked to the side it's just it's dense is what i'm saying yeah oh and with a general background of fire just in the background covering everything just fire just Just raging for some reason and it just gives this sense of denseness like it's all really packed not just horrible yeah just machine growing on top of machine yeah so good and then the reveal like yeah it's no surprise there wasn't much room to do that final reveal because there's so many things in these seven pages that criticism of the final panel being sort of a bit smaller than you'd like it's a small criticism and like the the art in this is so good i really like how rich is drawing sonic right now I think he's really yeah. hit a point. Like, page five, where it's Charmy and Sonic. I just think that's a great Sonic. Yep. I don't know what it is about it, but all of the bits of him click together just the way I like him. Everybody just looks really mm. good in this, you know? Yeah. All the chaotics look good. Yeah. The robot porker looks good. Mm. It's all good. Great. It was good, and I liked it. <laughs> Insightful criticism. <laughs> there are some very cool and exciting moments to come yet in this six-part serial i think we established that last issue you know they haven't mentioned it in the comic but we'll mention it the longest single title sonic serial the comic has yet done uh to kick off 1996 a year where many subsequent big exciting things will happen mm. as well refuse zone. Yeah, refuse zone. Refuse zone. 
Hey, it's back where it lives. Oh! We had the uh, water world tucked away in that odd Q-zone spot <laughs> last issue, but it's uh. back up front where it lives in between the first and second strips. It's just a shame. Mm-hmm. It's about Pete Sampras Tennis 96. <laughs> Yep. Neil Bryant gives it a positive review, but he doesn't give us much to work with. <laughs> no, it would appear that Pete Sampras Tennis 96 is basically Pete Sampras Tennis already released, but with a bit of a graphical overhaul and a couple of extra bits and bobs. It's a, it's more of a Pete Sampras Tennis Plus, according to this review. All mm. sports games yes. for the rest of time. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. So, But that's why it's so amusing to me then mm. that the second review here of Micro Machines 96... <laughs> Yeah, a pre-release version reviewed here, but don't worry, this did come out, mm-hmm. is given a 98 with the description of the raves, everything, and the graves, none. There yeah. are no negatives Neil Bryan can find about Micro Machines 96 or Micro Machines Turbo Tournament 96. Oh, thank you, I didn't know. Which is funny to me, because unlike Pete Sampras Tennis, mm. which was presented as the next game in the yeah. series, this is... Just Micro Machines 2 Turbo Tournament with some extra levels. Really? Yes. I looked this one up. Oh. Yes. Micro Machines 2 Turbo Tournament was released on Mega Drive and a couple of other platforms as well. And on computers, it had a track editor. Oh. And for this version, they added the track editor and a couple of extra tracks to the Mega Drive version. Oh, okay. And released it again. So it sort of brings it up to parity with the computer version, plus a couple mm. of bobs. Huh. I don't know what to think about that. And and he doesn't flag that up at all, you know? He appears not to know. Yes. He seems to be comparing it to Micro Machines 1 and being delirious about the added things. And this is a such a good review, in, you know, as in he loves the game. Yes, in that sense, it is very enjoyable to read. He's yeah. really just bursting with enthusiasm yeah. for the game. And the fact that, yeah, the fact that the previous review has explicitly said, okay, if you've got Pete Sampras Tennis, I wouldn't bother. There's no mention mm. of whether or not you should bother if you've already got Micro Machines 2 on the Mega Drive. He does say the ultimate in novelty racing games, Micro Machines and Micro Machines 2, were mm. wonderfully wacky. However, Micro Machines 96 is truly awesome. The new additions in this latest version range from vehicles and racetracks to tournaments and special features. Well, according to Wikipedia, it's just a track editor and some extra tracks and a new soundtrack. Hmm. I was always confused by those. There was a The same thing happened with Worms. Um, it was at exactly this time, Chris. It was during the two weeks bet- of that this comic was out that I went to Nottingham very mm. excitedly and I went to game and I purchased the game Worms having played the demo on whatever the previous issue of Amiga format or whatever it was uh, happened to be. So, so excited. But then, yes, a, a year or so later, they brought out a version of Worms that was this. It was like, Worms again, Amiga again, but with just some extra Worms stuff. again. I'd love it if that was the title. Like when they didn't call Muppets 2 the Muppets again, but they were going to. Were they? It was called Worms Director's Cut. So at least that advertised on the box what it was. But, but it, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that always confused me. This little era where they're like, well, we'll release the game again, only like, if you buy it now, it's a bit better. And those of us who already bought it are like, hmm... Do I buy it? Also, still something we see plenty of today. Totally normal now. The Ultimate Editions, Absolutely. you know, the, the passes that have all the DLC included with Game them, of the know. Year Edition, stuff like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but he does conclude by saying it's in a class of its own and undoubtedly the best value for money game around. How much was it? Wow. It was forty-four ninety-nine. Well, that's not bad. That's not bad. So yeah. Solid recommendation, and I didn't have any Micro Machines, is, so I, I ought to have got this. Yes, I only ever rented or borrowed Micro Machines. I, think I only played it around a friend's house. Decap Attack. Monster of the Year, Part 3, written and drawn by Nigel Kitching, with letters by Tom Freyam. Chuck wins his fight with his competitors in the man-made monster category, and as the only entrant left standing, advances to the finals. Tired of being thrown at people, Head starts giving off to Chuck, who angrily declares it's time the two went their separate ways. But this decision backfires on Chuck when the unexpected happens, and Head is crowned Monster of the Year. The success turns Head into a celebrity and leaves Chuck a real Headless wonder. Oh, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, don't know what we can add to that though. You know, you know, this isn't a great decap attack strip. I have to be honest. That sounds like a talking point. Continue. Well, I don't know that I'm left with. You know, there aren't any hugely funny jokes, and maybe that's maybe that's where it, it falls. You know, there's nothing that truly made me have a good cackle. You know, you usually get one or two good ones out of a decapitate, but there's there's not much really grabs me with this one. You know, I laughed at it. I smiled at it. I liked the bit where, you know, the, the two monsters are fighting him. One of them grabs his arms and restrains him. <laughs> that doesn't bother yeah. him because he could just bop his bop. neck forwards. And he finds a loose thread on the Frankenstein's neck. And Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he just pulls it and it just ziz- it just unthreads his whole head, which falls off. Actually, no, that is the best gag in the thing is where the Frankenstein's head falls off and hits the ground. And it goes, oh, no, I don't want to not live without a body. <laughs> And then Head chimes in. Take it from me, it's hell. And you could say hell, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yes, well, that's an American problem, isn't it? I suppose. I remember being surprised when people were impressed by things that could say hell. I'm like, oh, really? Was that a problem? Mind you, have we had... Wait, have we had this discussion before? Did I not once say, oh, but you live in Ireland with all your Catholics? <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, does sound like something familiar. Yeah, I think yes. we've had this discussion Maybe before. we did. Probably about a decap attack, yeah, to be honest. And the other little guy, the other little purple goblin, he hurls head at him and he just crumbles into pieces. Couple of sticking plasters and I'll be fine. I wonder what he was made of, that he got a big crack down him and he just shattered. Mm. That's a, not, that's a slightly odd one, that one. Because the drawing, he's just this little lumpy, gremlin-y guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, when... Uh, a ve- oh, a really good action pose, actually, there of Chuck throwing head at him. But yeah, the, the, he gets a panel all to himself going, uh-oh, and just a big crack is going. You could see directly through him like he was a 2D glass pane or whatever. Anyway, it's quite funny. I do... Oh, I always appreciate when the bits land and the bits have a pair of eyes on. Yeah. Couple of sticking plasters and I'll be fine. And yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just the fact that this idea of Head's discontent just really hasn't been part of the story until the page before the plot requires it to be a Mm -hmm. thing. Kind of just, you know, it says, I'm getting pretty tired of you throwing me at people. Oh yeah, I'll only keep you around out of pity. Well, if that's how you feel, maybe we should part. Suits me. And then yeah, Head wins. And um, it's an odd ending as well, because... Heads won the award, and I—I I mean, I like how he—he he gets a toupee yeah. and sunglasses, and he gets his teeth fixed. Yes, I noticed his teeth, <laughs> uh, and being carried around on a velvet pillow, intended to by butlers and everything. Uh, so this is a little—a little cut to some time after the award has been given. Stein is on the phone and says, "Take who? 
Very sorry, but Head is unavailable to appear in your video. <laughs> but he is looking for backing singers on his new single. Oh, you will. Well, we'll see you next week. That is Take That. <laughs> Uh, listeners who weren't there at the time. I was a little surprised by that gag. Yeah. Because going into this and thinking that this was the final issue of 1995, <laughs> I was just primarily thinking how far we've come. <laughs> and one of the thoughts that flashed through my mind was all those jokes taking the piss out of El Dorado and <laughs> take that feel like they're from an entirely different era now in 1995, <laughs> like a relic of, of the long distant yeah. past of two whole years ago. And here's Kitching to prove me wrong. Well, let's find out. What songs did Take That release in 1995? Let's see if we recognise any of them. Uh, oh, Back For Good. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a classic. Yeah. Um, that's the only one I recognise. They, they had a, a, a <laughs> number of songs that year. But yeah, Back For Good. is. A, but that's a, that was a big enough hit that I can see. I, oh, I can, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. They must still have been a going concern in 1995. But yeah, they feel like... I, I feel as if Take That is from what? One, two, three, four... Four classes at school they go. Mm. I mean, they can't be that far away from breaking up, can they? No, can't be. When did that happen? No. Mm. <laughs> 96, they break up. Oh, they go. Breaking up in the coming year. There you go, then. So it almost is a dated joke, really. But still. Oh, wow. Whoa. Okay, according to Wikipedia, the 13th of February is when they formally announced that they're disbanding. So we're right. Oh, we're pushing so right up against the end not of Not even two months after the end of this. Yeah. yeah they, well, then I wasn't wrong, no, really, was absolutely I? Absolutely not. Yeah, this is just a, a little take that gag that slipped in a little late. All right, all right. Good to know that my memories of the <laughs> era aren't that inaccurate after all and aren't all rose-coloured and funny-shaped. <laughs> I think we've proven our credentials this far into the podcast. Even so, <laughs> there's a difference between what happened and what we all remember happened yes. and how we experienced it you know yes funny one here in the, the second panel right where chuck uh great drawing of chuck actually with a big long face yes. he's looking at a poster of head don't you think that poster is supposed to have some text on it that has fallen off the page there's a big empty space above heads head heads head yes where text looks like it's supposed to go but is missing mm. but then it kind of ends on this weird beat where chuck says Listen, Head, all what I said about us not being partners anymore didn't take me seriously. Remember the laughs we used to have? And Head says, You remember how you used to throw me at people you didn't like? You were the only person I remember laughing. Still, that's all in the past. But one day, it will be my turn to laugh. As this big bouncer-type mm. character taps Chuck on the head. Which is a, is a bizarrely sinister sort of ending. Yes. One day, it will be my turn to laugh, as if he's... Th threatening something in the future yes. when what's obviously about to happen is Chuck is about to be picked up and thrown and out. Uncle Phil and Jazz style yeah. out the door right this minute yeah and, the, and so what's he planning <laughs> but you have to intuit that yeah instead of instead of that being the punchline of the joke where we see Chuck be chucked mm. and I'm sure that would have been the cover line of the issue Chuck gets chucked <laughs> um <laughs> Or or the next issue box on the previous uh, strip. Yeah, it's a weird beat to end on. Cause, and then one day it'll be my turn to laugh. And then there's the little Megadroid style caption that says, Who'd like that day to be soon? <laughs> Write in and let STC know. Next issue, Decapper's in the Headless Snowman. Yes. Yeah. yeah you, so I'm not sure what we're being asked to do. It's not going away. No. Don't, you don't have to write in to tell to get them it you back. to see more Decapitech yeah. because it's not going. Mm. Yeah, that's a. it's a very strange ending note for the comic that kind of the 
yeah, kind of leaves you a bit befuddled. Yes, that is interesting. I wonder if they're going to address, like, next issue. You know, is it going to be, oh, well, I've got rid of my toupee and my teeth. You know, are they going to address that it happened at all, or is it just going to be back to yeah, normal? Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Surely it's got to pick up from this in some capacity, because, yeah, head's been left in this weird position. The implication is Chuck's about to be thrown out. Of the... Again, I'm so puzzled as to why they didn't make that the visual comedy mm. of the final panel of Chuck being the one who got thrown instead of head. That's yeah, the joke. Yeah, yeah. But but they actually don't make the joke. You have to intuit that that is the joke. And it's not it's, and this is this is written and drawn by Nigel Kitching. So it's not like yeah. the artist just didn't draw it. <laughs> it's 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 an odd one. Yeah, it's uh it's probably the weakest decapitax strip I think there's been. This this single installment of it. The previous two have been entertaining, but this this single installment of it kind of it blows the joke. Basically, and that's not something Decapitax ever done before, really, is it? That's really it, isn't it? Mm. Just kind of bl- muffs the joke. Shall we go on? Yes. Oh, <laughs> God. I forgot what was over the page. <laughs> I got a full-on belly laugh when I turned this page. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. We're here again, folks. It's the Spiker Badnik spin-up. So it is exactly what you've come to expect at this point. Yeah. It is one airbrushed drawing of a Badnik yes. by Ferran Rodriguez in the style of the many we've seen up to this point, but particularly following in the footsteps of the Asteron Badnik pin-up from last issue, where it's one drawing pasted five times. And just as the Asteron Badnik was picked last yeah. issue, probably because it was a star shape, so they could tie in the idea of you cutting it out and putting it on top of your Christmas tree. Dave, tell us what they've done this time. Okay, so look, a Spiker Badnik, what you have to picture These is... are in the hilltop zone from Sonic 2, first of all. Imagine a red ball with angry eyes. That ball is sitting in a cup that's got four little crab legs. Mm-hmm. But, but is it meant to look more like a snail than a crab? I don't know. It's like Oh, like a hermit crab. So like a hermit crab... It's got on its head a sort of drill bit point going up with yeah. little spikes coming and off it. it. Fire, in the game, it fires those off. It fires those straight up. Yeah, yeah that's right. I forgot that. Well, what they've done here is, and Ferran hasn't done this. This isn't part of the art. This has been done no. in post by the designer. Is they have put a little starry pom-pom thing on the top of the point and ribbons coming off it. Making the points into party hats. For the new year. For the new year. Ooh. So they have... You know, I will give them points. I will give them... Well, they've already got points. That's what they put the... Nah. That's what they put the streamers <laughs> on the top of. <laughs> huh. The fact that the ribbons are different on each one. It's not yes. literally just the same piece True. of stock clip art pasted in and coloured differently. At least the ribbons are different True. each time. Well done, Gary Knight, probably. Probably. But what this does is it, like, it is, it's quite amusing as a way of turning Badniks into a New Year thing. But also, if you are the one child anywhere in the world who actually wants these posters of Badniks, mm. they've spoiled it. <laughs> this is a, yes, this is a, a ruined you know, poster of this Badnik. It's not a New Year's pinup. It's a post, <laughs> it's a spiker pinup that they have ruined. It doesn't even say Happy New Year from no. STC and the spiker Badniks or anything crap like that. Now, they might as well have drawn moustaches on them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these are so bad. And I'm sure there are more to come. Uh... <laughs> I'm I'm getting into it. I kind of want them to 
graffiti you're, over the you're top of all the, the crap bad things now. Yeah. Well, save us, Dave, with your diary here, would you? Tell I us what will. was happening. Apart from these, uh, you know, were there any party hats in real life? <laughs> I'm sure Tell us were. about New Year's 1995. I warn you now, listeners, this is going to be quite self-indulgent, and if you don't like it, you can skip to one twelve sixteen. You can't blame Chris for this. You can't blame Sam for this. This is all me, but it's Christmas and I'm going to take you back in time the way we do on this podcast. Let's join Little Dave for Christmas 1995 in the Diary Zone. Going back to the uh, the 11th of December. Ooh, right the way back. Mm, yeah, look there. And uh, t- it, we're ramping up towards Christmas. The excitement is mounting. And of course, in those days, you know, the excitement starts on the 1st of December, but oh, December yeah. lasts longer when you're younger. You know? Oh, God, yeah. Like now, the 11th of December might as well be Christmas. If you haven't got it sorted out by then, you're sunk. Doomed. That's it, yeah. Mm. I mean, and kids get, ex- you're able to get excited from the 1st of December because that's when the advent, when the advent calendar, calendar starts. Itself, exactly. You know, yeah. Evidently, my mum is getting into the spirit. Some amount of festive jolliness has taken over her because, so my diary says, Monday the 11th of December, 1995, 10.35pm. Today, we were shining some old pennies in HP sauce. <laughs> And by we, I mean us at home. Mum has dug out some vintage coins, and it's proper old ones with, like, multiple previous monarchs on. Don't know where she got them from, but they're thick with grime. And she's showing us that we can use HP sauce to get them shined up as if they were brand new. And there was an actual Queen Victoria one. Cool. Queen Victoria penny. A real one. Oh, I don't know if it was a penny. Whatever it was. But it was, you could barely see her because it was absolutely caked with a century's worth of black sludge. So it was going to be the biggest challenge to get clean. Here's, here's what the diary says. I tried to say, and now for the ultimate test, Queen Victoria. But I accidentally said, and now for the ultimate chest, Queen Victoria. <laughs> I remember this. Mum was doubled up. That was her gone for the rest of the evening. That <laughs> so frivolity is starting to mount. Christmas stuff starts seeping in. Wednesday the 13th. Oh, I mean, that is basically Christmas. Basically. Andy, my brother, was the best actor in the primary school version of A Christmas Carol. Whee! He was Marley. <laughs> well done, Andy. And we are getting excited here because we're, gonna, we're going to a stage musical version of A Christmas Carol soon, Ooh. as discussed in this bit of dialogue from the next day. Quote, Me and, name redacted, but he's the boy I used to work to school with and have the sort of meandering philosophical discussions that a 13-year-old can have at half seven on a Thursday morning. Oh, yes. We've decided that the Saturday before Christmas will be heaven for me, because I'm going to the theatre, and cool for him. Sunday will be heaven. Monday will be heaven's heaven, which makes normal heaven look like Earth. (laughs) And then the two-week holidays... I love that. And then the two-week holidays will be Heaven Mark II, M-K-I-I. Now, just hear the mounting excitement here. This is Saturday the 16th. We are it's so close. We're clawing at it. Hello. Welcome to the Christmas 1995 tape. What is the Christmas 95 tape from 95 Christmas? Um, righty-ho. And it is um, five past six on um, Saturday Thursday. 16th of December 1995, so there's nine days till Christmas, which isn't really very long, is it? No! Saturday the 16th, 10.36pm. Round this morning. Now that's my Amiga-owning friend who introduced me to the Amiga. Copied Christmas pudding mix. That is not a recipe. No. That is a music module. And it goes like this.
Right, sorry, I thought you were going to read out from your diary like you'd written down in your diary. Deet dot, do deet dot, right in the diary. <laughs> While I was out, though, my brother bought Mickey's Christmas Carol on video. We're getting <gasps> Christmassy, Chris. Christmas up the wazoo. My cool giant Smurfs poster arrived, so we stripped. The left wall of my bedroom of the Ghostbusters poster that was under the clock, the Lego Pirates posters, and the Times tables that had lined the top of the... I'm growing up. I'm 13. I mean to deprive yourself of your beloved Lego Pirates. I know. And in the afternoon, on Saturday the 16th of December, we put up, wait for it, dot, 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 the Christmas tree! Yes! And there is a picture that I have drawn, and I'm going to send it to you now, Chris. Get this on the Twitter. Oh, yeah, we'll get this on the Twitter. The illustration of me and mum putting up the Christmas tree. What do you think of that? <laughs> Isn't that nice? Oh, look at, the, look at the sheer glee. I know. So mum, she's just getting on with the job. She's just putting baubles on a Christmas tree. But I mean, she looks very happy about it. Very happy about it. And also, she's doing a little DreamWorks with her eyebrows. Yes, there. bemused she's, at uh, your enthusiasm. Well, because what I'm doing is I'm jumping with such glee that my feet are basically up by my ears. Yeah, that's a proper Beano leap. In it, isn't it? Yeah. How to make a song sound more Christmassy in two easy steps. Step one, sing a song, Andy. La. No, an actual song that's not in any way Christmassy. Um... Upon it. And now, here it is again, only the Christmas remix. In your Easter bonnet, <laughs> with all the upon it. And at this point, I start the countdown. On Sunday the 17th, it says, Eight days till the big Crimbo bash. <laughs> Monday the 18th, seven days, four and a half till we break up. Four and a half. I guess I just found out we're getting a half day on the last day. Exciting. Well, you always have a half day on the. I would be a. Fronted if I didn't. Where is Left date. Hang on. Okay, hang on. 19th of December, 1995, 555 pm. No, move a minute. I want to get up onto the bed. I have an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> and you're hitting me with Sonic, so I don't get up on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a Pain and suffering and screams of torment. I've just been hit in the face with a gorilla, and now Andrew is sitting on me. Could you kindly get off, please? No. Get off. And then, fra 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 Friday, the 22nd of December, 1995, 
10.47pm, I'm going to send you the picture. Look at this. Oh, boy, okay. Describe this to the listeners. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> Isn't it sweet? It's a huge logo that says, The Big Crimbo Bash starts here. So we've got big and huge big letters with, with shadows drawn under them. With a drop shadow, yeah. Dave Bulmer, you are not real crimbo is done with snow hanging over the top of it <laughs> because it's christmas and then bash is in a big starburst that is three separate fonts that i've come up with to write the big crimbo bash starts here friday the 22nd of the 12th 95 and i thought i should record something today Oh, by the way, it's in the morning. So, I've not gone to school yet. I'm going in about 20 minutes. I will go in five minutes, only Mum's driving this, because it's doing it down with rain. Uh, it snowed quite a lot yesterday, so that's good. Anyway, what I'm really here to tell you is about Dad's presents. I'm giving him last human. You know, Red Dwarf, book three. I can't wait to see what everybody gets. Especially me. <laughs> well, um, I just have to say, at this sort of moment, Pip, and but I will be recording something tonight so that I can get down on tape the whole feeling of being home. We left school at 12.30 today! Ooh. I often used to think to myself, why did we even have to bother coming in? A lot of people did think that and didn't come in and advertised the yeah. fact beforehand and didn't come in. I was the enemy of that kind of thinking, Chris, because I'll tell you why. No, well, that's, I was about to say, mm -hmm. I used to think that but then I always sort of reasoned to myself, he didn't appreciate the halfness of the day exactly. without being in in the first place. Exactly. The reason you went in for that half day was so you had that half day. Because you didn't do any lessons. No. You just no. gathered with all the friends in the world. You might have been able to bring games. Yeah, in. it may be. Toys. Yeah. And it, 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 by this age, you probably just did whether you're allowed to or not. And you're well, just there yeah. with all of the other kids your age, excited that it's the last day of imagine missing the last day before christmas mercifully mm. let out at lunchtime to go and roam the streets and just have a lovely time and oh oh the joy that with no i tell you what mm. half days mm. half day off of school for half term yeah that was when you went into town got yourself <laughs> some woolworth's picky mix little can yeah i mean that and i'm not even doing that for the branding on the podcast like oh yeah that is how i would inaugurate the period that came after a half day you could go into town on a weekday and the shops would be open and yeah. you could have pick and mix yeah. <laughs> you'd spoil your tea and you would love it <laughs> oh my god and it's cool and I'm just walking into Andrew's room it's Christmas it's Christmas it's very very nearly Christmas day this is David Bulmer reporting at 10 o'clock on Saturday the 23rd of December 1995 I'm going through here to talk to Andrew about what we're doing today now if you look out of the window you'll see that it's snowing a lot oh dear I forgot you can't even though I didn't here's Andrew and we're going to tell you all about what a perfect day we're going to have aren't we Andrew are we? Yes. First of all, we're going to Nottingham. Cool. Then we're buying worms. Even cooler. Then we're going to the theatre. Even trendier. And we know what a perfect day! Oh yes, and we're going to the Nottingham Disney store, where Andrew might be spending the remainder of his dosh. Total prep. So here's what I got for Christmas, because it's all written down. Yes! On the 
two-page special spread, it says there in the corner. Flipping heck. The yeah. big Crimbo Bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, here's what we got. And this is between us. This is me and Andy hmm. between us. Well, if it's shared, that's how you know it was something big. Well, no, they, but no. What I've done here is I've made no distinction between what me and Andy got. Oh, you've just written down yeah. everything. So I can't actually remember what was shared on this list. But we're going to start with something big. Well, here's mum, who is absolutely exhausted. And, and she didn't get to sleep until two o'clock last night. Later than that, I... Later than that, yes, yes, you're right. She had to say about half past. She was up to bed last night uh, two. I'll just stay here today, shall I? No. Ooh, look at all these presents! So, Tor. T-O-R. That's right, I'm on the dark web now. I've got my Tor set up. I'm... I'm ordering drugs on. What is it, really? It's um, it's a Zord. It's a big tortoise Zord. Yes. Um, okay, yes, I remember. I knew the name rang about. Yeah, that you could, you could the put... The Carrier your, Zord for that era of the Power You could put your Tiger Zord in it, and you pressed a button on top, and it made what I believe is a Godzilla noise. Uh, Cluedo Super Sleuth. <laughs> magic Circle Tricks. It was a Paul Daniels magic set, but... But fancy. And this is the one I was telling you about where on the tape I go, I switch suddenly from being all happy and playing with my brother to being like, no, don't touch it before I've read all of the instructions. Oh, I don't know what you do with this. What do you do with it? No, don't do it. Leave it. Just don't do anything yet. Just look at it. Because you need to read the whole thing, the book, before you do any of it at all, before you even touch it, because it's all prepared. Oh, it's got Marley's chain. It's all prepared exactly right. Yeah, but if it's all prepared exactly right to start the trick and he undoes that, then we won't ever be able to do it. It might be. No, Star Wars trilogy on video. Way the original edition. Yeah, this was when they released it on video with much fanfare that it was the last time ever. And sure enough, it kind of was. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is the first time I watched them properly instead of seeing a couple of minutes on Boxing Day of one of them and not knowing how many there were or what order they went in. My mum and dad had to tell me what the Roman numerals meant so I knew what order to watch them in. <laughs> <laughs> we're still going, though. Smurfs on the Mega Drive. And here is why I haven't delineated <laughs> what was whose present. It's because I want to pretend that this is as much mine, even though it was given to Andy. Right. And that is... Sonic and Knuckles! We've got Smurfs for the Mega Drive, and Andrew's got Sonic and Knuckles for the Mega Drive. And finally, the Power Rangers movie on video. Well, they can't all be winners. No, they can't, can they? Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go over to our cousins and uh, John, who's uh, written in and sent us that mock-up page of the Review Zone. Do you remember he sent us a a Review Zone of our podcast? He lent me on Boxing Day solutions to the Mega Drive, Dizzy and Smurfs games and his uh, personal collection of spells for Wiz and Liz that he'd written. And I think that probably means that he gave back Wiz and Liz. We must have swapped it for something. Probably. Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, so there we go. So there's no crossover. Uh, we hand back Sonic and Knuckles because now we have our own copy. <laughs> Which is really cool, you see, and smart. And supersonically mega. Isn't that nice? I wish I could remember anything I got Christmas 95. Yeah. But I, I, can't, I mean, I probably got a game, but I, hmm. can't, uh, I can't bring to mind what it was. I'm, I remember the previous years, no problem, but... Uh, You've already had Sonic and Knuckles? No, I never I never owned Sonic and Knuckles. Oh, yeah. I wanted Sonic and Knuckles Christmas 94, oh, but I got yeah. Mega Bomberman. 
That's right. He didn't think to go for it again the, the following year, apparently. Old news at that point. Yeah. <laughs> they rented it and played it. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's weird because it's not old news anymore. <laughs> no. I'd love a copy of Sonic and Knuckles now. I'm going to have to buy that uh, classic collection they're making and buy Sonic's 1 and 2 for the billionth time. Anyway, just to finish off, we're going to come up to the 5th to close off this two weeks mm. with a couple more. New Year's has happened. You didn't write anything exciting about, well, New Year's doesn't mean anything to kids, does it? Uh, no. It's just the it, it basically signifies the end of your time off. That's it. I, I put this Monday the 1st of January. Ni- Monday the 1st of January the 1st, <laughs> 1996, 10.56pm. Damn. From now on, I'll keep on writing 95 on my science papers for the first two months. Happens to us all. Damn. SATs. Oh, God, yeah, I'm leaving school. I mean, it's my last half year at this big school now. I'm going to have to learn how to do exams. Same with me. Oh, well, you can't win them all. Started reading another Saved by the Bell book yesterday. Oh, right. Well, I mean, you say you're leaving big school and everything, but... (laughs) But no, here's uh, here's what I had to finish off with. Wednesday the 3rd diary's birthday my diary is one year old today cool thursday the fourth those two kids do you remember i said there's two kids i met who had sonic cd yes they are coming over to my house tomorrow and they are bringing sonic cd they're bringing the entire mega cd in the house dash l l And then like a million exclamation marks. Friday the 5th. They came, but they couldn't find their Mega CD plug. None of mine worked either. Oh well, I borrowed the CD, lent them Lion King CDs. There's only one Lion King CD, I don't know how many I'm lending them. And Stay Sonic. There you go. And then uh, that day I wrote words to some of the songs in Sonic CD and Sonic 3, including... Be the Hedgehog. Be the Hedgehog. It is there. It has always been in you. That's apparently when I did it. So there we go. That's my Christmas. Christmas 95 in the Boomer household. News Now, it's been a while since we've dug into Mean Machines for what the Sega news was, and there isn't very much going on. It's not very interesting to us. You know, the Saturn's coming out, some random games are coming out, but I have Chris got to read you this. I feel like it would be a trail of this podcast if I didn't read you this, which I found in the editorial section of the December 1995 issue of Mean Machines Sega. Listen to this. Krusty Corner. One of the joys of manning the Mean Machines telephones is receiving the desperate pleas of beleaguered PR representatives desperately trying to foist the unfloggable. (laughs) Well, fear not, all you out there in PR land, Crusty Corner is our amnesty on the promotions that most magazines wouldn't touch with a barge pole. You can brag about your success to colleagues in the wine bar just by sending us your latest product. Simple, eh? This month, the spotlight is turned on. Audio cassettes featuring all your favourite characters from Granada Television's Super Soap Opera (laughs) Coronation Street. (laughs) You might have to put this in the previous episode. But I was poorly and failed to do this. The tapes in the street talk range comprise such gems as Reg Holdsworth in his own words. The others include stories of the Duckworths, Rita Sullivan and Raquel Wollstonehume. You can win a complete set by simply winning our fab competition. And don't worry if you're not lucky enough to come first. We've got five super runner-up prizes of super 
Jack and Vera Duckworth t-shirts. The same prizes. To be in with a chance of winning, simply tell us which Granada television soap opera features the characters Reg Holdsworth and Raquel Wollstonehill. Oh, they weren't even trying. They clearly... The scorn that they met that with, that has been (laughs) shopped around to whatever publication would pick up the phone has apparently it? i mean it feels as if they log the unfloggable like they say it feels as if they've beat that they and stc as we guessed have been forced to do this competition and like stc tried their hardest to come up with a reason why they would do it meme machines have just yeah. gone like and now a sh- competition you don't want <laughs> well that puts it all in focus doesn't it doesn't it Oh my god. Bloody hell. Knuckles. The Homecoming, part four. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Ella Fell. The floating island collides with a mountain, and tremors threaten to tear it apart. Knuckles and Zachary resume their fight, and Knuckles is able to sever the head of Zachary's robot. The evil echidna tumbles from within, but is then sent plummeting to his apparent doom when a tremor throws him off the side of the island. Knuckles is able to use the robot's severed head, full of emerald power, as a replacement master emerald, and raises the floating island into the sky again, but vows to be more careful when searching for answers about his lost race in the future. Ooh, that Dobbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, Ooh Dobbin. Talk about when we were talking about Return of Chaotix not giving over quite enough panel space yeah. to show in metallics. Oh. And then this great page one to page two oh, page man. turn and this huge two-thirds page panel Ooh. of the floating island whamming into a mountain and spraying oh, rock and dust rocks just everywhere. flying everywhere. Oh, and we get a little look at Dobbin's version of the, the mushroom hill zone where Ooh. the Emerald Hill folk are. And now he's got the same kind of issue as Casanova's as far as drawing the hill folk goes which is that they do look like wonderful cute animals from a, a british children's storybook <laughs> yes who's this little beavery but guy don't he draw it well oh yeah yeah it's just it's i can't believe what we've got you know what i mean like the that so just in the first three pa- like each of the first three pages has a picture of the full floating island yeah. per page First of all, it's falling, and then in the second page, it's colliding, and then in the third page, it's like wedged onto the top of the mountain. Like it's driven, it's the, the point at the base of it is driven into this mountain, and it's just wedged in such a way that it's temporarily balanced there. But Knuckles is really worried because it's going to yeah. topple at any minute. The emerald pyre hasn't fully drained from the island, so it's almost like it's sort of anchored itself onto the top of the mountain but as the emerald power and the island continues to run the gravity presses down harder on the island and it scrapes against the mountain oh. these tremors are still shaking the island shaking the emerald hill folk and all three of those drawings of the island look huge oh so it looks good. weighty the fact that the clouds are small against it things like that make it really look so big the fact that when it lands on that mountain so it looks so far away we're looking at it through a corridor of other mountains in the distance so then it leaves us with this question of okay how do we solve the problem of the master emerald having been destroyed and it's a i think quite a bold quite a brave decision that nigel has made to however temporarily replace the master to not simply reinstitute it you know Mm. you could imagine a version of this story where knuckles smashes open the robot's head and the emerald power comes flowing out and the emerald shards just remake yeah you know yeah 
No, it's a, it's a bold decision to yeah. be like, no, the emerald is destroyed. Yeah, and instead, so in its place now, for however long it happens to be, when we see the Chaos Emeralds, they have at the centre of them, not the Master Emerald, but this beautiful sort of space Ghibli robot head thing that Nigel Dobbin Ooh. has designed for us. I assume it was him who designed yeah. it. It's Nigel Dobbin down to the ground, so I'm sure he did. And it's cool. I do think Knuckles finishes it off very easily, though, don't you? After all the trouble that it's given him in the course of this, he just throws a rock at it. Yes! And just aims the rock so well mm. that he pulls off the Amy Metallics crossbow <laughs> does, shot yeah. from, from a couple of months ago, where he just hits it at its non-existent neck yeah. and cleaves it from its little big round head, little round body. God, that's a thing, isn't it? I never really thought about it, but doesn't that speak to how Dobbins got better at the whole sonic aesthetic in that even this robot is in fact composed <laughs> oh, of yeah. two circles on top of one another and some little legs God, yeah and well while we're on the subject just look at how good his knuckles oh, is no. look at it he's got it because we're fairly immediate this is close to when he started and already he's he can turn knuckles's head effortlessly it would appear he can get those spikes Ooh. just right and he can fit the body in among them just right. In fact, gosh, I, I almost wonder if he had the little figure that I ended up with because it reminds me so much <laughs> of that. But the face looks like a Knuckles face, whereas, you know, previously on his first outing he had trouble getting Sonic and Tails' faces right. But also it has that air of mystery and sort of slight shadowiness that Dobbin brings to Knuckles' strip, to his world. Mm -hmm. All there. And then, and then, as a parting shot, Nigel Dobbin shows us this image of the floating island rising up again. And yeah. somehow, and we're even further away, looking through even more mountains to see it rise up off the top of this mountain where it formed that sort of plug, as it were. And there's not much in the way of like movement lines or anything like that. You're not, you don't see what they do in the game where like the water spills over the edge of it, obviously, because we're not in the sea. But you know what I mean? There's no effect like that. There's just a... a a pepper of little rock bits coming off it. And that makes it look so slow, so heavy, so heaving, so big. Like, you, it's moving up, but we have to kind of know that. It's, it, it looks still in the picture, so we know it's going slow. It's brilliantly done. It's great. As a, as a debut oh. on the regular fortnightly comic, like, this four-issue serial has oh. been... Stellar. Absolutely stuff. brilliant. Just leaning into all his design strengths yeah. from the get go. He's just the right artist at just the right time for just the right character. It's brilliant. Yeah, you say that just the right time because, yeah, we've taken a little while to build up to this sort of thing with Knuckles, yeah. you know? We've we've slowly built the idea that of these ancient secrets of the floating island, like with mm. in the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation where he piloted the island, then we had more ancient things dug up whenever the uh, the death egg attacked it and the uh, the ring that teleported him into the special zone was dug up out of it then we had uh, he was sidetracked for the nameless zone for a bit so now yeah then we then we bring things around and and i suppose that's why the two nigels team is always thought of as such as the definitive knuckles creative team on stc is because then after all that sort of setup and introduction of these ideas this was the story that sort of propelled knuckles into this new era of this creative team yeah. and it's the one that is most directly more than anything else before it about 
like the legacy of the echidnas mm. and the mystery surrounding them and their their ancient technology and such taking such a central role with this that's robot. it it's a not a mystery i was gonna say a mystery strip but that implies it's like a detective story no it's a it's a strip about mystery and exploring this question of like what was here before me and nigel dobbin is the right artist for that the opening caption on this strip is my kind of opening caption. This is some Endemobius stuff, this is, isn't this? Dr. Zachary <laughs> has revealed his true evil nature. Now he faces Knuckles for the final battle. His robotic armor, oh, yeah. fully charged with all the power of the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> Suddenly a new danger threatens to destroy the entire floating island. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, when you put it like that, it makes the whole strip sound so much bigger than it feels. Mm. You know what I mean? It actually feels like quite a small, intimate little thing for Knuckles. Mm. Even though the the hill folk are in, in danger and everything. Mm-hmm. I've only, I realise, yeah, as I say, I've only really thought of this as a rather uh, personal thing mm. for Knuckles. The first experience with another echidna mm-hmm. he's ever had and he's been lied to. That's how I always frame this event in my head. And his home is in danger as a yeah. result of it. You know, to me in my head, the floating island is Knuckles' home. Yeah. First and foremost, rather than an entity unto itself in danger but really yeah that's kind of like the end of the knuckles movie really isn't <laughs> yeah, it you do really. a solo knuckles movie a yes of course it's going to be about mm. the secrets of the echidnas and someone returning yes it's going to be about stealing the power of the chaos emeralds and yes it's going to be about the floating island being in danger of crashing down da- gosh I, that totally reframes the way I think of the strip. I've never actually uh, pulled the elements apart like that before. I've always thought of it as a kind of a little personal Knuckles thing instead of the mm. big apocalyptic story it really is when you pull the elements apart, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he even get you know, Doc Zachary even gets the old Disney movie death. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, oh, what a, what a, what a piece of shit, by the way. <laughs> Knuckles takes the head off the uh, robot. And out he comes. Oh God, Knuckles! Uh, I'm an old echidna. You wouldn't, you wouldn't hit me, would you? It's my heart, you see. Oh, you piece of work! <laughs> and then a tremor cracks the edge. There, this fight is taking place on the edge of the island, as we saw last issue. And um, yeah, then there's a tremor, and the just the edge of the island, a few pieces of it break away, and oh, down, down goes Zachary. Goes. But we do stress. Knuckles says, "I can't see him. Too much cloud." I guess he's mm-hmm. gone. You know, that's good enough if this was the end of an 80-minute an Disney movie. <laughs> but uh, definitely leaving the door open yeah. for future developments oh, with that mm. one. Love this final panel, too, where... Um, the, you see, they pulled back from ever explaining what happened to the Echidnas. Because you remember very early on, we had that bit... From, gosh, what was it? The Pyro of the Chaos Emeralds? The two-parter where Robotnik got the emeralds? You know, the second Knuckles story? Where Knuckles said that the, the people, his people would return from the stars one day? Yep. You know, that was... And, and I don't think they've ever reiterated that. You know, the Echidnas are just mm. gone. They just disappeared. But then we end with this final panel. This lovely, uh, the full height of the page... This final page is laid out with the scene of Knuckles putting the um, robot's head in the Emerald Chamber in uh, four widescreen panels across two-thirds of the left-hand side of the page. And then the final panel is one tall panel that takes up the entire top-to-bottom right-hand side of the page. And it's uh, Knuckles in the bottom, 
And then panning up to the hole at the top of the, I guess the Emerald Chamber is in like a volcano, a dormant volcano or something. It's got a hole, it's got a crater up at the top looking up out at the sky anyway, yeah. So as Knuckles says to himself, one day my people will return and I'll be here waiting for them. But next time, I'm going to be asking a few more questions. And just above that speech bubble, through the hole in the top of this mountain or whatever, we just see the night sky done in this lovely, well, I suppose it's a dusk mm. sky done in blue with the old uh, toothbrush flecked paint stars lovely. on there. As if to say, mm. you know, they're out there somewhere without just having to say, the Echidnas went to space, yeah. which is far less interesting than implying they might somehow yeah. be out there. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to know what the name of the planet they've settled on is. <laughs> oh, make me remember things like that when we're talking about good knuckle stories. <laughs> This is the end, but next issue, a brand new Knuckles adventure. Hey, oh good. Graphic Zone! Jobsworth Zone. This is a very straightforward graphic yep. zone. It's Sonic, Tails and Robotnik and Knuckles dressed up in the uniforms of other jobs. There's no stretching it. There's no forcing it. Actually, no, that's a lie. There is one. We'll come to it. Ian Wood from Air in Scotland has done Sonic as a businessman. Yep. I guess. Kind of a Mr. Ben look to him. Yeah. He's in a suit and tie and a bowler hat. And and kind of a the bloke from Clockwork Orange kind of look to him. Something about the uh, little bit, the little, little hat bit. and the sneery look that he's giving us. But I doubt that's what it was a drawing of. Bit Thompson and Thompson. Yes. But suited and booted is the caption and I guess it's just supposed, or at least STC are interpreting it as Sonic working that 9 to 5 in a cubicle. Hmm. Uh, Boomer Brooks, no first name obviously, from Works Up in Knots, has done Sonic as a pizza delivery guy. I love this. I love everything about <laughs> it. It is so round, I could squeeze it. <laughs> yes, he's got... Um, what it is, is that all of his spikes are... Missing. Gone. Not there. <laughs> well, they're covered up by clothes, but yeah, they're not there, so he looks very round. So he's got a little red backward baseball cap on that says, if you look closely, pizza on the brim. Oh, on the peak. Um, yeah, and he's got his little red jacket on. I wouldn't be able to call to mind what the uniform of a pizza delivery boy is, but but I'm convinced that seems. Well, that's, it. it's just a jacket and a hat, really, isn't it? You know, if you you know if he turns around, the uh, logo of the pizza place is on the back of yeah. that jacket, and the cap is just to keep the hair out of your eyes while you're on your bike. Yes. Larissa Dennis in Chelsea has drawn tails as a scientist, and with. And and it looks like what's the fella from the cartoon that has ginger hair and a big nose? It's, it looks like that. He says a catchphrase and I don't remember it, but the internet used it in a lot of memes. I don't know. There was a cartoon that looked like this. Tales. Nigel Thornberry from the Wild Thornberry. Yes, yes, because yes. his eyes are seven mile apart. Is why you why you're drawing <laughs> yeah. that comparison. That's yes. it. In a in a big rectangular head. Yes. The reason being, of course, that they had to draw glasses on tails, and so you have to. I think the glasses may have come first and the eyes were drawn into them second. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's interesting that you can see the start of Tails' arms before they hit any blood coat. Yes, I think, I think I've think i seen that one before on some uh, things, other mm. pictures from past graphic zones where people don't quite know how to draw a coat being on somebody. It's difficult. I was trying to draw one yesterday and I got nowhere. <laughs> I love this one from James Day from Ilfracombe in North Devon. He's done Robotnik as a mm. chef. It has the air of being copied from something. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I was just now going, okay, what? what's that a drawing of? Because it's in the back of my mind. 
But I don't because know. Because the hands, the hands look really good. They actually really look like Garfieldy hands. Don't they? But that, it's difficult to tell if that's just because they're so orange. Mm. But uh, they are not drawn as actually holding the spoon and pan mm. that uh, James has placed in their vicinity. Yes. There's also, there's something of the energy of a Playmates Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figure <laughs> about this. The way it's, you know, Robotnik's got the shirt pulled up so his belly's flopping out and he's got a big stitch scar on his belly and the pan's dripping everywhere. It's got that gross-out factor yeah. that you got on the old Turtles yeah. toys. Yeah, that maybe it is one of them. Was there a chef one? I mean, there was, but uh, I don't believe this is copied mm. from that in any way because it would be severely downplayed if that was the It's case. just that, why would you come up with these intricately patterned checkered trousers? yourself yeah, yeah. if you weren't copying it from something else if what you were trying to no, do was I, a chef i'd say the the drawing has copied energy i just don't know what it's copied mm. from no me neither oh well but it's good anyway yeah it's a good one like it next one uh stephen pembroke from gillingham kent is private eye hedgehog private hedgehog in fact they've captured it with but yeah it's sonic in a in a private eye costume which is to say a mac and a fedora yep and a tie yep dick tracy basically yep, the yep, one yep. i question is this one from simon jenkins next yeah. year from bristol Knuckles turns game show host, mm. and it's an angry-looking Knuckles in a red and black vertically-striped suit. And to me, that says, says the pinstriped suit of a gangster more than it says game show yeah, host. Yeah, I even... Because it's such a striking red and black pinstriped suit, I I wondered if does Beetlejuice wear a red and black... And he doesn't, so it isn't that. But, like, it's something like that. It feels like it's a particular coat from something. I don't know what it's supposed to be. There's but, something, um, uh, you know, it's that neat pinstripe look, plus the fact that Knuckles has his teeth gritted, as if to say, Nyeh. Exactly! <laughs> Makes me think of a gangster. Is there a Captain Planet villain that looked like that or something? It's that sort of energy, isn't it? Or Toxic... Wait, what? Like, mm, Who was the bad guy in Toxic Crusaders? Dr. Killamoff. He did wear a suit, but it wasn't pinstriped. Ah, uh, right. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort Absolutely. of feel to There's it. A, there is a... Sort of energy about this. You immediately pulled out the name Doctor Killamoff. I did, and about. I was hoping you weren't going to draw attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew the name of the baddie from Toxic Crusaders. Toxic Crusaders. Toxic Crusaders. I had no friends, no girls, and help me till I got radioactive ugly. Toxic Crusaders. I can't even picture the baddie from Toxic He was cool. Crusaders. I had his action figure. He oh, wore a big right. suit. He had four arms and he had like a, a, a big uh, industrial backpack with big chimneys on it because mm -hmm. he was a. Uh, ooh! He was from the planet Smogula, I want to say was its name, and he couldn't okay. breathe Earth's clean atmosphere, so uh -huh. he went around with a big, um, a big triangular rebreather that was plugged into his backpack that oh. pumped polluted air into him. He had a sort of a Mad Max look, didn't he? And it, and it kind of looked like. Like church organ pipes. Yep, that backpack. was kind of kind of the vibe he had going on coming out the back. Yeah. And the toy, uh, the backpack was made of uh, a soft plastic. So you put like flour in it and you pump the backpack and it would go puff, puff, puff. It would make, uh, oh, it would make clothes. Oh, cool. Oh, that's dead good. Never really worked. No. Because, you know, it's just a little pile of flour sitting in the bottom of a compressible thing. So it doesn't puff. You know, it's not mm. like there was a bellows. That no, would puff that's it what you need, was, really. Yeah, yeah. It didn't, didn't really work. No. Yeah, well... Oh, well. Uh, Christopher Reynolds <laughs> of Kings Winford, West Midlands, is... Well, I, I mean, I guess it's... What is it? It's... Well, he's... Listen. Yeah. The caption STC have added to this one is, May I recommend the chili dog? 
Hey, chili dogs. Didn't even register until right this second. Oh, yeah. And it says on the menu yeah, there. Yeah, that's chili not dogs. really a thing in STC, but, but yeah. The, so, yeah. yeah. And yes, what has been drawn here is Sonic in a... Listen, it's Sonic in a magician's outfit, okay? Mm. But but Christopher Reynolds has intended for this to represent Sonic as a waiter because he's leading... Yeah, he, He's standing in front of a table at a restaurant yeah. with a menu offering chili dogs and it's got a little, little flour assortment, salt, pepper, and... I'm guessing vinegar. vinegar. Yeah. Yes. Okay, but what, if you were doing a waiter, why would you give him a it's top the top hat? hat that throws it, yes. And also the fact that his jacket, I think, Maybe not intentionally, but looks like it has tails. It looks like he's wearing a a, a jacket with tails, like not t- not tails, uh, a dinner jacket. Yeah. So then, you so know. that's what it is. Sonic isn't the waiter; he's the guest. He's dressed uh, up for dinner. Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. But he. I mean, he's he is dressed as a magician. I'm not sure what's going on with the the wide wide brims of his boots. And they're red brims. They're not like the white sock-looking things. Yeah, that has. just seems like a goof. Yeah, <laughs> Kind of looks like his, he, the rest of him is teleporting in from somewhere else through one of those Doctor Strange <laughs> portals over his feet. <laughs> Does, yeah. Wrap it up with one from Jennifer Gittens. Where's the fire? It's Sonic as a fireman. Aww. And he's seen some shit, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, yeah. He's mostly I. She's gone with the... Um, the overlapping two big round eyes look, but she's overlapped them the wrong way. It's the further away eye is overlapping the nearer eye. So she's she seems quite young. It's sweet, isn't it? It's a, it is sweet. He's got a real thousand yard stare on him, but I like it. He looks like a cute little mouse. He's got a little pointy muzzly nose, and uh, and sure enough, he's holding a he's he's dressed as a fireman, and he's holding a hose, and he's spraying different. He's got mismatched coloured. Uh, yeah, rallies I'm on. not sure what the uh, aim of that is, but. Well, speaking of the aim... Amy! Snow Business, written by Lou Stringer, with art by Carl Flint, colouring by Ella Tafel, and letters by Steve Potter, who is unfortunately miscredited as Tom Frame. As the new year draws near, Sonic, Johnny and Amy spend the day with Knuckles in the ice cap zone, where Amy continues her efforts to catch Sonic under the mistletoe. When the others zoom off for a race, Amy is left alone and stumbles upon a robot left in the zone by Robotnik, the ice-blasting Snownik. Fortunately, the robot is pretty slow and stupid, and Amy is able to trick it into creating an ice slide that sends it sliding right off the edge of a cliff. The crash brings Sonic running just close enough for Amy to finally steal that Christmas kiss. I think we've got some sort of a problem here. What's that? The the art in this is fine. Yeah. And the writing in this is fine. Yeah. But they don't match. You've got a, a loose stringer gag strip, which is sort of, you know, kind of ought to look a little bit Beano-y. And then you've got just, you know, Sonic drawings. I really wish they'd let Lou draw some of the strips that that he wrote like this because this this is the sort of thing that I didn't like when I was a kid because the way it looks it's like masquerading as a normal STC story instead of what it really is which is like a Beano style joke story so it should have been drawn by him or Gary Andrews or someone who has a kind of a comedy style so that we wouldn't have categorized it alongside things like Brotherhood of Metallics and gone well that's not as good whereas we've just proven for the last several issues oh god yeah he's amazing at writing Sonic no I mean I won't uh, disagree that when people think of Stringer as the 
also ran of Sonic the Comic as the number two. This is the kind of strip they're thinking of. Yeah. It's, it just you feels know, this like... this is fine. There's a few chuckles yeah, to be yeah, had yeah. in it, but, but there's nothing... Exactly, there's a few chuckles to be had, and that's, he's back into that mode. He's writing a chuckles strip, and he should. That's yeah. right, that's appropriate. But if you look on, like, page three, this is the reason why I say the art isn't matching that. Page three is just... It's not... It's not done right. Like, there's two panels and then three panels. And the last three panels are all, like, the same angle, even though it's trying to be different things. Well, I think it's... the first two panels should be the same angle. Yeah, that that's fine. Yeah. But that's, that's Amy reaches for her crossbow in the first panel, and then in the second and then it panel, gets uh, an ice blast yeah. comes in from behind her and freezes it. Yeah. yeah. The trouble is that then when we pan out and the robot is running after her in the same angle, it just kind of looks, it looks kind of unimaginative. Um, I don't know what I'm well, looking the, the for. The complete white blank background. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, tricky to avoid in a snow. Gun. I mean, I don't think it's a it's a terrible match or anything. No. Flint is a, a reliable workhorse type, you know. Yep. And I guess they're into the business now that I think about it of pairing Flint and Stringer because obviously we've just gone through a five part Cybernix story from Stringer that Flint drew. Do you know what you're right there? And I like that. And I thought the mm. art in that, even though it, you know, there's no massively distinct change in style or anything, I thought the art in that was good. And in this, I'm going like. Ugh. I, I don't know why. I guess it's because that was an action story where there was lots of different things for Carl to show us. Whereas yeah. this is just a lot of pictures of Amy from... Running around in a white field. From roughly the same angle a lot of the time. It just Yes, it seems yeah. very samey all the way through. And as a result of that, I, I was left with the feeling that nothing had happened. Uh, well, yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree that when you get to the end of this, it is kind of like, eh, whatever. Mm. You know, the, the snow neck is not anything... I mean, Lou Stringer has already written in this very comic, a story about a robot mm. that shoots freeze rays that goes around going, <laughs> the way that this one does. You, I am referring to the frozen, the frozen zone, zone with the chiller. You remember the... I the, do. That is literally... I mean, this one's even worse. This one talks like cuddles and dimples. <laughs> from, the, from the dandy. Me am snow nick. There's nothing really to write home about in it, story-wise. You know, I mean, I, I think, I, I think, I think '96 must be the point where Amy starts getting a bit more strips of her own. Because mm. only, weirdly, this is only the second Amy strip. It kind of doesn't feel like it, but it is. No, and the last one was last Christmas. Last Christmas, yeah. What um, is it about Amy that puts her in? It? Well, last Christmas it was because there was a bumper size issue, so they needed some extra pages. And they needed an extra what strip. What is it about yeah. Amy that, that puts her in these snow stories? Uh, well, I'm just grateful that there is any kind of snow seasonal holiday-themed yeah. content at all across these two holiday-based issues, where at least this one is a little bit uh, New Year's-y. New Year's- I mean, they do stress that New Year isn't here yet, but Christmas is over, so uh, this is definitely yes, they in keep, the they, festive they've... gap. They're actually doing quite a lot of work to establish that when this is, because Amy's been carrying around this. I did wonder briefly whether this was supposed to be a Christmas story that got quickly edited to be a New Year's story, because there she is, you know, trying to kiss him under the mistletoe, which is, I think that's more of a Christmas thing than a yeah, New Year definitely, thing. Yeah, right? definitely, yeah. But then it's like, oh, you've been carrying that around since Christmas. And there's various mentions of it. And that's fine, because that's very Amy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That It, it really is. I think what... Um, Something that got me thinking about it was at the top of page two. It kind of looks as if something has been tipexed out in in Amy's thought balloon. She says, "Huh, some hedgehogs have no sense of occasion. I don't give up that easily." And then there's a big conspicuous space with just little Ooh, traces yeah. of text in that have, I think have been 
I think tipexed out. Yeah, so I was wondering, is that w- right. was she saying something about it being Christmas? And they were like, oh no, this turns out to be the New Year one. But then no, because there's enough other stuff in the strip that is explicitly post Christmas that has no sign of tampering. So yeah, but you're you are right. There's definitely some dialogue been deleted. You know what I mean? There. Look, you can see they've even turned. I don't give up that easily, and they've sort of turned what was probably a comma into an exclamation mark. I don't give up that easily. And something she was going to say. And it's not been done by Steve Potter because, I mean, he has a very distinct style and is good at it. Whereas what's happened there is someone's just got a black biro and they've drawn the best version of an exclamation mark they can over lumpy tipex. Very difficult to do. Not done very well here. You can, you, you, it's a, it's a disaster, this little exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you wonder. I mean, we're always quick to, to think, to, yes. to see Deborah Tate's hand at work because we just, we know how mm. she championed Amy. Makes you wonder what sort of thing Amy could have been coming out with there. She championed Amy and she had a heavy hand when it came to making small dialogue edits. We know this. So, yeah. Um, it could, that, yeah. so that could be something. And I'm sure it was done for a good reason. There'll be, you don't, you don't tip X out and leave that kind of a gap if there's no reason do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and because that because the way that the dialogue is you could get a craft knife out assuming it's not already done on computers and you could move it down and it would fit the balloon perfectly the way it is you wouldn't leave that gap if you had time to do something better so yeah i wonder why i, well, I wonder if let's ask lou stringer i wonder if he's still got the script lying around or he just happens to know i like the attention to detail in this one because you notice of course it's only sonic amy and johnny this is set before Return of Chaotix. Oh, yeah. This is set when Porker was still lost on the Miracle Planet. <laughs> Following on from Stringer having just written a four-part story where mm. Porker was not around. Yeah. No Tails either. So presumably means it was set to... Oh, well, where's Tails? Because Knuckles is back from the Nameless Zone. Where's Tails at? Oh, well, well, he might just not be here. Where is Tails, actually? I feel like... I feel like I haven't seen Tales in ages, <laughs> even though it was like, well, no, no, hang on. It's been four issues wow, since the really? end of Knuckles and Tales. Where is Tales? And there'll be letters from Sarah Rose before we know where we are. I know, yeah. But no, yeah, I was saying earlier, I think 96 must be the year in which Amy starts getting more strips of her own. And there's something about this one, when you stack it up next to the previous uh, Christmas strip about Amy, where you do see the need for this character to break out of of the role Mm. she's in already you know this is another story where sonic and the others go off and leave her and some trouble turns up and she takes care of it and doesn't even acknowledge that it happened you know and i mean we've we said last christmas as i recall that's the sort of story you might have imagined tales Tales. would have uh, wound up in versus sending him off to live in a land of goblins and orcs (laughs) but frankly given that it's feeling a little played out after the span of only two stories Mm. in a whole year Maybe it wasn't what we wanted to do with Tails, but we'll guess, I guess Tails will be entering a sort of a new phase with his strips now in 96 as well, now that all the Nameless Zone stuff is behind us. We'll see what uh, what happens oh, with him. And, I have um, no memory of it, I don't know. Well, no, neither do I. I'm just like, I don't really know what Tails gets up to going forward, but they get. Yeah. I just know that he starts doing you know hero stuff on Mobius out in the sidelines. So yeah, the characters are yeah. I hadn't really thought about how long it had been since we saw Tails, but when we when we know that about Tails and we see sort of how Amy's stuck in this pattern right now, a lot of the characters are like hinging on a fulcrum now, where they need to tip over into finding new things, new new ways to be used in stories. And they're going to find that, I, I guess. Really, <laughs> on the page we're looking at now, the only one who doesn't is poor old Johnny Lightfoot, isn't it? Yeah. Although, if I remember correctly, the Sonic's World story that begins next issue, oh. another Stringer Flint team up, yeah. is a Johnny led story. Oh. I do like this sort of uh, 
second to last panel. I don't know how intentional it is, but Sonic hears the sound of the snow and it gets crashing off the edge of the cliff and is brought running. And they, they do the old Tom and Jerry <laughs> tinkle, 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 bit sound effect gag. Sonic comes running and he comes running up so close that he is able to whip the missile to out and plant one on him and he's, you know, dazed and confused. And he says... I thought you were in danger. That was sneaky. But the way Flint has drawn him is he's Sonic with the old arms folded. He's got the angry eyebrows on him. But he's got the little smirk. Yeah. And there's something about the way he's drawn him that says, I'm impressed with your sneakiness, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. You got me. You got me. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And Amy plays it off. It is like, I thought you were in danger. In danger. Oh, you say the sweetest things. <laughs> There was no danger here. I'll pretend like nothing happened. And she says, and if you thought that was sneaky, just wait till next year. And I don't know if that's supposed to be deliberately foreshadowing anything or if she's just making a gag to end it out with. You know, that things are only going to get sneakier and this is a new year strip. It all runs together. The end for now mm. does kind of sound like there might be wheels turning yes. in regards to Amy getting some more strips. And there's something weird about that the end for now box. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's happening there. That's uh, the end is written in like red typewriter font. Mm. It was a Unicode typeface, and then Steve Potter's for now is tucked in at the side, but not neatly justified. That's it's, it. It's so tucked in. It's it's rammed against the side, up against the side of the caption. I wonder yeah. if see again, like did that say Merry Christmas, Boomers once or something? You know, I, I don't know. See, I'd be more inclined to think it said something about Amy herself. Ah, uh, Amy will return in. Dot, dot, yeah, dot. and then mm. maybe now Deborah Tate has the plan in motion. Yeah. Amy's going to get more strips. Though, to be uh, to be honest, I don't know when it is that Amy becomes a regular strip because we will reach a point somewhere down the line where Amy is one of the fixtures of the strip. She's never not yeah. got a strip in the comic. She is yeah. She is one of the strips in the comic. Um, I don't know when that is. It, it can't be 96 that that happens. But uh, we'll just have to we'll just have yeah. to get to 96 and find out. Chris Yates from Darwin near Blackburn writes... Your comic keeps coming out late, so I'm going to burn each one of my issues to get rid of the evil. Don't give me one of your stupid comments, mega wimp, and don't even consider giving me a prize, as I am too mad. <laughs> Sonic stationery winner. <laughs> yeah. Megadroid simply replies, I think I agree with that last comment. Yeah. That he's mad, you understand. Yeah. What bonkers nonsense. <laughs> We've got a letter called uh, Rubber Love mm. here, which has been sent in by a James Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been sent by Anthony Smythe of County Armagh, who says, Dear STC, I loved the Sonic Rubber, which came free with issue 63. I saved it for a big test last November and couldn't have managed without it. And Megadroid says, glad it came in handy. Yeah, they've, they, yes, they've titled that one Rubber Love. Um, that is... Yes, that's a choice. Yeah choice certainly the letter doesn't give us anything to work with <laughs> content wise <laughs> a little bit more interesting from caroline latham and her room mate yes i mean now there are sides to be taken in this matter mm, up the wall dear megadroid i share a bedroom with my little brother which can drive us bonkers sometimes this is mainly because we fight over which side of our room the posters should go on i think i've been fair to suggest that my side of the room be filled first then we can start on his side what do you think? Megadroid thinks bunk beds could be the answer, but I think that's some bullshit. <laughs> I think that's bunk. Not Megadroid's answer. The business of, it's fair to suggest I get all the posters first. Yeah. 
Piss off, love. No, okay, I got a couple of problems with that. Number one, piss off, love, because that's that's just older sibling privilege and it means nothing. Yeah. Number two, that's the sort of thing I would have done. When I was <laughs> yeah. No. It. To be yeah, I definitely pulled that sort of. Yeah, but we're older and wiser and uglier now. But here's my main thing: what w- what does Caroline Latham want his Care Bears posters up on the wall for when she's the older sibling? You have you have a wall. You've you've each got a wall. If you you've each got a side. Just put what go one for one. Like. What's the problem here? If if Caroline has a poster, that goes up on Caroline's wall. Put it on Caroline's side, yeah. And if he's What's got one, here? put it up on his side. And if there's the, if there's some strain, I mean, it just seems like Caroline just wants her wall to, to have, have all, all the, the posters, posters on, on it, regardless of what yeah. the posters yeah. are. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that. You want a decorated wall? Well, get yourself some more posters. Get them. I mean, you've got enough badniks by now. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones she's going to give her younger brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose you can have this Spiker Badnik one. (laughs) Artwork this issue, Mm. looking all copied. There's one here from somebody who didn't give their name, from Arundel West in Sussex. Wait, from Arundel? It's uh, Arundel, the kingdom in Frozen. Wait, how is that pronounced? Arundel? Arundel, I don't know. It looks like it's pronounced Arundel. I don't know. A-R-U-N-D-E-L, anyway. That's in West Sussex, so if you live there, let us know. And uh, it's... Let Tails getting into the party season, the caption reads. It's Tails. It does. And if you look at how, how many veins you can see in his eyes, I reckon he is getting into the party season. <laughs> He's got a purple and blue backwards baseball cap. Yep. He's got a green t-shirt and his gloves are green. Yep. He's got blue shorts, yep. and he's wearing blue sneakers, but they're not his usual shoes. No, no. They're all fancy, real-type sneakers. Yeah, yeah. And he's got an earring in. Mm-hmm. And yes, he's got sort of blue and yellow and green starburst lines yes, in his eyes. Yes, it's not bloodshot eyes. It's the it's like it, well, they've kind of tried to draw the lines of an iris, I guess. Around it's a hot choice. I don't know why they've done it. I, I don't know what they're doing there. To be honest, it might just be mm. like an explosion of light. Who knows? Oh wait, wait! And he's wearing a chain with the peace sign, the band the bomb logo on it. Oh yep, so he is. That's copied from a piece of Ferran Rodriguez tales art. I recognise. Very early on, very early on stuff. Then we got this other one from Mina Robb in Cumberland in Scotland, and I'm pretty sure that is Rave, Rave, Rave all night long. Oh, what was that? Issue 16. Yeah, but what? what? Well, it was a Christmas party. It was just Sonic with sunglasses on at a Christmas party. Yeah. Oh, they were just in the party. They were raving all night long. Yes. The fact that it's got the little Beano twirl around his foot as he dances and everything. <laughs> Very tiny little drink that he's holding in his hand. It's like he's got a shot glass with a straw coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oaky cokey Sonic, they've written there, because he's putting his right foot in, I guess. That's it for the actual speed line. So let's look in our little mailbag, um, which you, listener, can get into by writing to stctpodcast at gmail.com. We've got... To- Mark from Burnley, who writes, First off, I'd like to thank you for the wonderful podcast. This is quite a story. I found found this really interesting. I moved to America about six years ago. You can call it Archieland if you like. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And your podcast has helped me feel connected to home and my childhood during COVID times and not being able to visit. Unfortunately, sorry Mark, unfortunately my dad passed away recently, which did necessitate a trip. I did find a couple of Sonic-related things in his house, which I thought you might be interested in. Put together, they show the change in Knuckles' colour during 1994. (laughs) And he sent us a few pictures, and he's describing what the pictures are. First is a picture of my cast. At the time, I remember it calling it a pot, but the phrase my pot seems to have changed meaning in the intervening years. Now, that was just you. I've never heard that before, I'm (laughs) afraid. 
Um, this was the second time I broke my arm, and my dad had drawn a large picture of Sonic on the first one. Picture attached, although it's faded a bit. Being Sonic obsessed as I was, I decided that I wanted my new cast to be the same colour as Knuckles, which, as we all knew at the time, was pink. Was pink. So he wanted a pink cast. Well, this being 1994 and Burnley, my parents tried to talk me out of this, because any hint of a child mm. not conforming to the traditional gender colours would be ruthlessly mocked on the playground. Yeah. I insisted... So a compromise was reached that my dad would draw Knuckles on the cast instead. My dad later described it as the most pressured drawing of his life. <laughs> but I think he did a fantastic job, especially considering drawing was not one of his hobbies. I've no idea how he managed to just do such a good job with no practice, but that's the kind of person he was. So I was the proud owner of both a Sonic and Tails cuddly toy. The modern artist word seems to be plush, but I won't hold with that. <laughs> and I wanted a Knuckles to complete the set. Well, my mum couldn't find one anywhere, even resorting to calling the head offices of several shops. Yeah, well, there wasn't one. They didn't make them. So being the wonderful parents they were, they made sure I got what I wanted. They made one for me. You will note the choice of red fabric, showing that while Knuckles will always be pink in our hearts, it didn't actually last for very long. <laughs> and yes, sure enough, if you can get that open yep. there, Chris. Oh, wow. There's a photo of a perfectly well-made, cuddly Knuckles. That's a great job. Yeah. He's rather a muscly Knuckles. Chunky Knuckles, yes. That is well-made. Yeah, that's a good job. Th look how much work has been put into getting the, the sort of the, you know, the muzzle area separated from the head area. Like, that's cut out precisely. And he's got the mm -hmm. nose, his stuff just... God, that's good. He's even got great bit of He's work. even got bulging eyebrow bits. How'd they do that? Oh gosh, yeah, look at that. They got the little eyebrow ridge in there, just nice. Yeah. So they, they they must have stuffed it, and then I don't know how they kept the stuffing in the right place, but it's it's just right. Wow, that's amazing. His spines are a little bit hither and yon, but that could be just because he's up against the background there. That's that is very impressive, honestly. Unfortunately, being homemade, it didn't stand up to the test of time the way the Sonic and Tails did. Ah, uh, well. Couldn't bear to throw them away, so they're with me in America now. Oh. Yeah. So I don't have it anymore. However, looking at the photo, I can barely conceive of how they made it look so good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't match them because it's more like it's got a kind of a... Um, what do I mean? The fabric on the outside is a, a smoother fabric. It's not got the fluffiness of the... It's what my mother would call slimy. Oh, would she? Yeah, which is how she would describe a smooth-feeling fabric. Oh, right. As opposed to fluffy like the Sonic and Tails mm. one. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. It hasn't got fluff. So I guess it's probably a stocking, is it? Or something like that. A tight... Well, anyway, I absolutely loved it, and I still remember the sadness of the day I finally had to throw it away as it was falling apart too much. Aww. Aww. My mum always talked about me sending in the picture of the homemade Knuckles to Sonic the Comic, but I never got round to it. That would have been published for sure. For sure. I don't know why your mum didn't just send it in herself. I've always been the kind of person who thought nothing about me or what I have could possibly be interesting enough. But seeing some of the dross that was printed in Speedlines back in the day, <laughs> I think it would have had a chance. I'm hoping you're interested now. Good example this issue. Thank you for the rubber. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, they gave over column inches to that. You so know? I'm hoping you're interested now. Yes, we are. Not to get too soppy, but now that both my parents are gone... Oh, no... I had to clear out their house, and these things, more than anything else I found, showed just how much my parents loved me and how great they were. Yeah, here, here, flipping heck. Keep up the good work. The podcast has helped me keep going through some very hard times. From Mark from Burnley. Oh, thanks, thanks very much Mark. for your letter, Mark. I'm glad to know that we can provide you some entertainment through... Well, it's been kind of a bad time all around for, like, 
more than half the time mm-hmm. we've been doing this podcast and that it's often it's often a source of some relief and entertainment for us yes. in the midst of everything that's been going on as well and I, i'm always glad to know that uh that's the sort of thing that we can share with yeah. uh, with everyone else and here's another one sam writes not any of the sams we've been on this show it's another sam hello chris and dave having been born in 1999 <sighs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It's all right. It's still in the 90s. I'll allow it. I've always had this fascination with what was going on immediately before I was aware. Yes, I know what you mean by that. The 90s and early 2000s especially occupy this excitingly liminal position for me, being Mm, both the olden days and pretty flipping modern in a lot of ways. So things like retro gaming have always had this deep allure about them. Well, as a long-time fan of Dave's work, for fairly obvious reasons, I jumped on the podcast right at the beginning and have greatly enjoyed every episode since then. It's been said a lot at this point, but as a listener, you really do get the sense of not just what it was like, but how it felt to be a kid in those days. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that whenever anyone says it. I know. You wonder if we're sometimes we're just chatting sh** and all we're ever saying just applies to our shared experience. Not that we had any, you know, we didn't know each other. We lived in two yeah. completely different land masses. But, you know, I, the common, who knows if we were just coincidentally having some very common experiences. Well, but if we were, then this podcast is designed to present those common experiences to you. As fact. Yes, <laughs> that was what it was. But how it felt to be a kid in those days from a gleefully not-American perspective. (laughs) There is something gleeful about how not-American we are. In such a way as makes the whole thing feel like some valuable historical document. Yeah, no, I agree with that. We are chronicling something here. Also, it's just fun browsing through the comic in the background as I listen. I meant to email in a while back when a pristine tube of pastels was discovered in my grandpa's house dated best Mm. before 1995. Oh, get it on eBay. Sadly, I don't have a photo of it, but I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Nevertheless, you would get a kick out of it if you tried any of them now. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be they'd be extra tangy. Let me tell you. Zing off those. (laughs) At this point, the Mystic Cave theme of fruit pastels are the very same concept in my brain. So, uh, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) I think that Sam's doing that. As I write, I've only just heard about issue 65 with its free mini pack of pastels. So I could hardly just not say anything. Anyway, with that off my chest, thanks for all you've been doing, Sam, Mega Drive owner. So there we go, that's our mailbag today. Remember everybody, you can be on the show if you write to stctpodcast at gmail.com. We accept letters, we accept pictures, we accept you recording your voice and all major, all credit, major cards. credit cards. And uh, well, and we do accept those as well. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. Checks and postal <laughs> orders. <laughs> Next issue, Bone of Contention. Because it's a new Knuckles story and the picture here is of Knuckles standing in front of some bones. New story, Sonic's World, Brute Force. The brute is to be stressed there. Mm-hmm. Complete story, Decap Attack, Headless Snowman. Sonic, Chaotix Antics. Yeah. And the Q-Zone, Batman Forever. Oh. No uh, no pin-up warning <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this time around. And the Q-Zone's back. So it's interesting to see now the Q-Zone is coming in and out. So I wager next issue, no review zone. Graphic zone will go in that spot. Q-Zone in there. STC number 69, 1.20. On sale Saturday, the 6th of January, 1996. <laughs> oh, Goodness me, I'm starting to feel grown up. (laughs) 
here we are now at the end. Of... Listen, mm. we've said it before, but it is true. 1996, 1993, different universe. Oh, God, yeah. They've nothing to do with each other, those two years. There's no no way to explain it. It's today, three years difference, nothing. No. Three years ago was yesterday. Yeah, like if it wasn't for the pandemic, three years ago would be now. But back then, it's like I was, mm-hmm. I would have said no, except I had to make the point at the time. Yeah. El Dorado jokes and take that jokes are from some different era of how this comic was and just a different cultural thing. Then Nigel Kitching had to come along and put the lie to my words. But <laughs> not only are we in a different school, we're about to go to another different school. Mm-hmm. Our lives are moving on yes, sir. In- at an incredible pace at this stage. We have gone from children to, like, children who think they're teenagers. <laughs> but you think back on everything that's happened this year in this comic, never mind anywhere else in the world. And it's, it's ludicrous that this is where we are already. This past year has contained so many of my memories of what this comic was that defined this comic. And I wouldn't go so far as to call SDC like an early bloomer (laughs) or something and then that then faded as time went on or anything. But it does speak to how quickly it seized the imagination of we kids of the era that within its first two years, these are the stories it was doing. These are the stories that would forever be remembered as some of the greatest stuff it would ever do. 95, man. Oh, what a great time. There is still something to the tune of 115 more issues of original yeah. content of this comic still to come. You know, we're not halfway No, yet. no. We always get maudlin and reflective at the end of a year do, because yeah. so many of the bloody things have somehow passed in so short a space of time. I know. Well, it's because I think of it as closing up. These were the years that were like the happiest of my life and I, I, I've I, missed them since they finished. You know what I mean? Since now, in like at the yeah, start yeah. of 1996, I was already like, oh, there goes 1995, 4, 3. They're all in the distance. Pulling the shutters like, down on them now, fully reflecting yeah. upon them and drawing a curtain. But because they were so good, I have really clear memories of them. And I and, and it turns out that, you know, I still hold them up the way I did then. I still had a brilliant time. So it is, I do have to reflect every time that this, here we are leaving one of my favourite years again. And through doing this, I've been able to sort of sit in it again and experience it at something like the pace that it happened at the time. Something about these markers of every two weeks, there's another Sonic the Comic, and oh yeah, this is what was going on in one of the key things in my life at that time, this comic. We're here again now, 26 Mm. years later, Yeah, and every other Saturday, Mm. we crack open an STC and and get into it, you know? That's not how we intended this to go when we started, because we recorded a bunch (laughs) of these in advance whenever we had free time, but the way this... I think I only really realised it recently that Mm-hmm. that's what we've wound up doing that saturday became the day we do this on and we've got our schedule yeah. properly in order now so that yeah and you know an issue or two ago when i was able to bounce down the street to get my fruit pastels from <laughs> yeah. the same corner shop that i bought it from i think that was when the realization really kicked in <laughs> is this a midlife crisis 
I don't think so, because we're doing a podcast. Go on. <laughs> and I feel like there's an inherent there's an inherent denial of any maturity. Oh no, well, that's, oh god, that's what a midlife crisis is. Yeah, some people can buy a flashy sports car and pretend they're 25. That's the symbol of, uh, yes, but we're millennials. No, so, so we've got to read our old comics and stuff. So we make yeah. podcasts instead. Because yes, it's free. To do that. Well, hopefully you're <laughs> all enjoying having a crisis along with us. Listen, if my midlife crisis turns, is, is, if this is it, then it's exactly the same as the way I've conducted myself the rest of my life. So fine. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, same, same. Well, I think that's enough of this. I have to go and get back to my YouTube show about Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. We've had a lovely time together. What an- another lovely year with you. Please join us for the next one, and we're going to keep these coming. Yeah, Happy, Happy New, New Year, guys. I hope 2022 is better than 2021 is, in the same way that we kind of hoped 2021 yeah. would be better than 2020, and I guess it sort of was, it's but of it's you. really hard to tell what's better yes. now at the current moment yes. in time. But I know what was better and that was 1996. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> see you then. So come and join us there next time. And when you're looking for the new episodes, you'll find them most places good podcasts are available, but you can download them directly for yourself a little bit ahead of when they get in the mm-hmm. podcatchers, usually at stctp.wigglehe.com. Yep, they usually come out like 6 or 7 a.m. UK time, so head over there and find those. For your commute. Yeah, exactly. We've got a Twitter. It is at Sonic Podcast. That's for the show. You can also follow us separately. I'm Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. And as I just alluded to, we are also both on YouTube yes. under those names. Doing as well. very grown up things. Very grown up. This show has a Patreon. It requires your support. We do need to continue paying our editor, Sam, to get this thing out in time. Yeah, very. we have to continue doing real grown up things like paying people for their labour yes. and our taxes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we need your help for that. But listen, we're going to give you some stuff if you help us out. So go over to patreon.com slash stctp and drop some money in the little box there and you will get some stuff. We have been doing an extensive look through the Martin Adams novels that came out uh, concurrent with the first year of STC, some of the first Sonic stories ever written, certainly probably the only Sonic novels ever written, even to this day, right? And by the time you hear this, we should have the first part of our look at the third novel, Sonic and the Silicon Warriors. And that... And our favourite one, Sonic in the Fourth Dimension, which we've already covered, are by James Wallace, who we have an extended interview with over on that Patreon. That is a Patreon exclusive. And also, on top of all of that, if that were not enough... How I wish it were enough. I have been reading to Chris this whole time the apocalyptic fanfic that I wrote at this time in 19... Well, actually, we might have outstripped it by now. It might have been 1994. But then I revisited it in, like, 1997 when I was all bolshy in 15 and I tried to write it up all grown up and serious and I posted it on the internet. I am reading that to Chris. It's called The End of Mobius. It is a thing. It is adjective. I'm getting madder and madder with each passing chapter. <laughs> yes, it 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 has abandoned all pretense of making sense. Little flaps have come out of the top of his head, and smokes come out of them like that fella from the Tales comic. You used the S word, and I don't mean Sonic. So that is Patreon.com forward slash stctp. There's frankly an embarrassment of riches over there right now, and these are all videos, but the audio is there as well. If that's what you like, go over there. 
yeah. Hoover it all up. Gather it all up in your arms. There's so much for you. As Dave said, uh, we used the proceeds from that to pay our editor, Sam Gabriel, whose work you'll find at samgabrielvo.com. Mm-hmm. And our opening theme tune, not the one you're hearing now, the one at the start, that is a song called Synchronize. It's by Sonic the Comic, the band. Yes, really. And you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, for one more year and for many more to come. And we will see you... Next, next year. year. <laughs>